This is the Criterion Creeps Podcast. I'm Jared Duncan. RJ Baylog. And we're just two guys who have no other choice now but to creep our way through the Criterion Collection one spine number at a time in order of release. This week, we're jamming out, and it is going to be groovy as we watch spines 167, 168, and 169 in the Criterion Collection. D.A. Pennebaker's The Complete Monterey Pop Festival. But first, RJ... Yes. It's feeling like summer. It is. I hear the other parts of North America are going to get snow this week, which uh, I laugh at huh. because we only just got rid of our snow like a week ago. And now it's going to rain. Yeah, I like the rain, though. You know that? What's that song by like Garbage where it's like, I'm only happy when it rains. Yikes. Is that Garbage or who is that? That's, that was Garbage. <laughs> hey, that song's in the hit movie uh, Captain Marvel. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. Cool. So, what's up, Jarrett? Uh, what's, not what's much. What's going on with your life? Uh, I don't know. I got, uh, it's, you know, doing some backyard work, you know, tending mm-hmm. tending the garden, you know. Pulling, you got a little tool belt? Pull, pulling weeds. No, no, no tool belt. I got a weed puller. It's been, it's blowing the normies' minds. What do you mean weed puller? Is it uh, like a little spike you just kind of kick down in the ground and pop out the weed? Yeah, basically. And what are you too, uh, too high and mighty to get down there with the regular Joes and pull those bad boys with your bare hands? And, and, and wreck my back? No, I'm good. Oh, you could spray them too. There is that. You don't let your cats out. So, yeah. uh, I mean, I, I'm just saying like, I know some people don't spray weeds because they were like, well, my cats go outside. I don't want them to eat it, which is a valid point. No, I, I just don't know enough about, uh, weed killer stuff. This is my first, uh, rodeo of really taking care of my own lawn. So, mm. uh, I'm just, uh, you know, I think it was 38 bucks and it is like pulled out like two, six gallon pails full of weeds because mm. the, the previous uh, owner did not do anything with their yard. So, well, Cleaning I know, uh, I know Monsanto just had to give out two bill, uh, two billion to that couple that they gave cancer because of Roundup. So, I mean, you could dabble in Roundup. The worst that would happen would be you get cancer. Hmm. That's not too bad. Yeah. Hey, I've been doing yard work since I was like five years old. Do you need any tips? Do you need any pointers? Nah, I'm good. One time we found this, uh, this hornet nest. And, uh, so my brother, Louie, he, uh, he poked it with a stick. And threw it in a bucket of gas, and we lit it on fire. But uh, there was no bees in there. No. So it wasn't like a horrific <laughs> animal cruelty massacre. It was uh, just, you know, getting rid of Dibris. 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 Well, and, all right then. Uh, how are you, sir? Well, so we just went to dinner. And uh, I remember I've had a previous roast and toast on here, but a previous toast is now going to get roasted. We went to Cafe Verde and it really sucked ass. Oh, yeah? Yeah. I So I got the Diablo sauce, mm-hmm. which uh, they advertise as they're uh, super spicy. Yeah, I think I just saw uh, that today. They promoted it as too hot to handle. So that's why I got it. And that's why we went there today. I was like, ooh, I was like, I like hot sauce. So I went and uh, it was like, it was hot. It wasn't. Like, it was hot enough. I did sweat a little bit, but uh, it really tasted like shit. Like, it was just, it just tasted bad. I don't know if it was, like, the kind, whatever kind of pepper they were using for that sauce. Well, but I didn't like it. And then Andrea, she gets these tacos that have pineapple on them. Yeah. And some of the pineapple had this weird gray stuff on it, like it was mold <laughs> or something. We were very disappointed. What? We were like, we were like, uh-uh. So it, uh, it made our list of uh, 
we we won't be going back for a, a couple months probably now. Oh shit. Which is too bad because I went there with you like 2 weeks ago and it was delicious. Yeah. It, almost every time I go there uh I don't know. I think recently their uh takara salsa that I really enjoy. It feels like they've changed up the the mix a little bit. It's a lot brighter red than normal. Usually it was more of like a dark and it had this nice smoky kind of almost barbecue flavor. And now you know what makes uh, it red? Uh bugs. There you go. I, I, I'm fine with that. So yeah, anyway, yeah, I don't know. I yeah. just brought it up because I know you're a fan, and I was like, "Hey, that's a major bummer." Sad. We're losing all of our good restaurants. The old pizza place that everyone used to rave about. We got that last week, and that sucked ass. Yeah. Maybe we just suck. Your tongue. Maybe you're uh, getting a more refined palate, and uh, you're really tasting through the the bad food. Yeah, I don't know. That sauce really killed me. I was like, Ugh. I was like, this doesn't taste good. It wasn't that it was spicy. I was like, just. Yeah, tastes like ass, Jarrett. <laughs> tastes like ass. Well, <laughs> let's uh, maybe you'll talk that flavor out of your mouth by, by, the, end of, the, by, by, by the by the end of this episode. And first yeah. up is the mailbag. <laughs> See if anyone's tasting ass in there. Yeah. First okay. up, we got Jackson. Oh man, he's a uh, he's become a regular. He's filling uh, those vacancies that we've uh, created on the mailbag, mm-hmm. or not created, yeah. adjusted to. That's right. Hey creeps, hope your weeks are going well. Just finished uh, like a like a glove cast in iron, like a velvet oh, yeah. glove cast in iron, and I want to thank you guys for the recommendation. I've started Wilson <clears throat> and have found it very frustrating. What are your opinions <laughs> on it? Uh, I've only seen the movie. Yeah. But I'll let you take this year because you're the the big fan over there. So Wilson, um, yeah, Wilson is, the the format it follows is each page is kind of like a self-contained comic. And then over the Mm -hmm. course of the whole book, it kind of creates one big narrative. And, uh, yeah, I, Wilson's kind of a disappointment, there's only one moment in that whole book that, like, I remember because it, like, completely caught me off guard. And I think it's, like, him, like, oh, there's, like, these lights on the outside of the window after he's ostensibly kidnapped somebody. And then it, you flip the page and he's in prison. That I thought mm-hmm. was really funny. But on the whole, uh, yeah, it's not so great. It's very monotonous because the character of Wilson is monotonous. He's just an asshole. And each page ends with him just saying something horrible. Hey, what's your take on uh, the Wilson movie, Jared? That movie sucks. <laughs> yes, it does. That movie is real yes, bad. Yes, it does. Yeah, I was uh, hoping for better than the comic, and uh, mm-hmm. it was just like totally different than even the comic. And like on, yeah, after Will, like in Wilson's, like not even terrible, terrible. But the subsequent books, there's like Mister Wonderful, and that book is not mm-hmm. great. And uh, Patience is interesting, but yeah, latter day Daniel Klaus, like a lot of latter day talents from that '90s era, they kind of just kept making work that uh, overstayed its welcome. One one might say. What do you think people will say about latter day creeps? I'm sure it's coming. But is uh, it anything we, like latter day saints? We, that's why we have to knock these out uh, before we go gray. Well, we're trying, man. Yeah. I don't know how much more we can do than one a week. I know. Mm. Uh, Jackson continues. Jared, oh. could you tell me anything about the film 555? It seems interesting, but I'm not sure if I'm ready to make a foray into a, sh- a shot on video horror. It seems like Ooh. a taste that comes later in a cinephile's career. Uh, I would second that. 
I, I, I don't think I have a uh, recommendation. If, if I was in my, uh, you know, early twenties coming across one of those, I would just be like, fuck this and move on. But, mm. um, when you've been around watching enough horror and you start kind of getting into the, the rhythms of, uh, shot on video horror, perhaps even shoot some of your own stuff. And <laughs> I don't know. Oh, I, I don't think that's like what a, kind of stuff. I don't know. Sexy stuff, RJ. Oh, but, okay. um, I don't know. Yeah, five, five, five. I, what I, are you I'm trying gr- to say? I don't know. I'm trying to think like how to word this. I'm very enthusiastic. Just tell it about, like it is. I'm very enthusiastic about that film, but I, I wouldn't recommend it to everybody. That's one of the weird things about Letterboxd is like if you throw out four stars, you're just like I'm talking in terms of like my enjoyment of the movie. But would I be like, hey, person I just met that we're talking about movies, you should watch five, five, five. It's like no, that that's not coming out of my mouth ever. Um, but I mean, there's always like the best way to start watching this stuff is just go in with, uh, open mind and, uh, check it out. But maybe you have to like build, like maybe wait till you're in your thirties jaded about Marvel like movies you. or something. <laughs> and then really yeah. appreciate obscene, stupid movies like five, five, five. Yeah, I guess. But he's got a question for you too, RJ. Oh shit. RJ. About farts? I just uh, finished reading 1984 and coincidentally oh, yeah. just listened to the Lord of the Flies episode where you talk about that and the other big dystopian books. Where should mm. I go next? Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, or should I give it some time before I make myself sad about the world again? Keep up the stellar work, Jackson. Uh, I would just bang them all out. One, two, three. Uh, I would go Fahrenheit next because that book's only like 160 pages. It's pretty quick. And then go into Brave New World. Because uh, Brave New World, I think if you did that next, there would be a high likelihood of being burnt out, definitely, on those. Because um, Brave New World's not for everyone. I remember there was a, a, a couple points in that where I think like halfway through, I, I just stopped for like a week or two. Because I was like, uh, like not, it's it's kind of dense. Like, I don't know. Have you read Brave New World, Jerry? I read it in high school, grade 12, yeah. I think. Cause it's I all remember about, somas. Yeah, somas and like all about like carnal alphas acts. and epsilons. Uh, alphas and uh, beta cucks. Yeah, and, oh yeah uh, all, all the beta cucks. All the beta cucks. Uh, I, I like Brave New World. Um, mm-hmm. I'm just saying like I think it would be – I wouldn't go into that one next. So definitely Fahrenheit uh, because it's easy and it's a, it's a good book. I, I like Ray Bradbury. Fahrenheit? Fahrenheit. Uh, I wouldn't. I don't know if I would watch any of those movies though. They're supposed so, allegedly all bad. The uh, Brit Fahrenheit 451 ones. Uh, There's that new the, one that just came out with your buddy Michael Shannon. Oh. <laughs> what even oh. true foes Fahrenheit 451? <laughs> well, we'll get there, right? One day. One day. No. Mm. Never. Yeah, well, I, I would do it that way. I can't remember what I said about all those books, but I remember. I think I read them all in pretty close succession to each yeah. other. So you I did. think I, I, I had smarter things to say when it was fresh. As we all do with all yeah. things. Yeah. Thanks, Jackson. Yeah, thanks. Next up, Justin hmm. P. We got a, a ragtag team of J's, hey, Jared? We are due. All the J's come down. All the J's. This is volume five of uh, his emails. Oh, okay. As he puts it. Uh, hey, Jared and RJ. Hope you guys are swell. In mm. honor of the much-anticipated Monterey Pop Festival week, mm. here are a few music-related questions. Number one, sure. do you guys still buy any music, CDs, digital, or vinyl? Personally, I don't, since you can listen to whatever you want on YouTube so easily. 
Uh, I'll, I'll answer for Jarrett. Jarrett doesn't listen to music because he's a maniac, and I'll talk about that more in the uh, the podcast. What are you giving me that face for? Well, I, I listen. Haven't to you music. said many times that you don't listen to music? I I've been listening to nothing but music lately. <laughs> oh, okay. Well, then maybe you should answer for yourself. Um. So I rip a lot of music off of YouTube because mm-hmm. it's just that easy to do, mm-hmm. and. Uh, at, at my one job, I do have like a playlist of stuff I would put on off of YouTube. CDs, mm-hmm. I still have a huge collection of CDs. I leave them in my car and I mm-hmm. rotate them out maybe once every like five years, if that. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, Chanel's got a huge collection of vinyl. And mm-hmm. uh, that's kind of like where most of our money actually goes into for like her collection stuff. It's all vinyl. Yeah. Um, it's, I don't know, it's fun have like a big object to put on you have to like actually turn it over halfway through so it's very impractical but Mm -hmm. uh there definitely is kind of like a a novelty to that but that's my relationship with buying music of Mm -hmm. late rj i still buy cds all the time yeah yeah i do i love that shit Uh, especially when it's bands that i know i like Mm -hmm. uh or like things that i'm interested in so i buy cds um I'll, 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 when I buy one, leave it in my car for a week or two, listen to it. If I like it, it stays. If I don't, comes inside. And then I put it on my computer and then it, uh, then it just goes into my shuffle when I listen to music on my phone. And then I guess on top of that, like Andrea has a Spotify that we use pretty frequently. Like it's, it's, we have a little speaker that's on, I think all the time upstairs when we're cooking and cleaning and, you know, just living life, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. It's living life, baby. Got any uh, musical recommendations at the moment, RJ? It's hard to say. I have no idea what uh, what your what someone's personal taste would be. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm a big fan of Modest Mouse and David Bowie and the Wu Tang Clan. <laughs> arr, arr. get them. That was a little DMX for you, Jarrett. But there you go. You know, I have a an eclectic taste in music, perhaps. Mm, it's pretty. Sounds pretty mainstreamed oh, me oh, i just mean i'm, well, see, I'm, I'm really is, all over the place yeah. i like a lot of different <laughs> things um yeah. l- lately i've been listening to a lot of alex cameron and a lot of uh this one group called future islands that i i don't never, future islands i had never heard them before and yep. uh i stumbled across them like a month or so ago and like it's pretty good pretty good yes future islands is good um i don't know i have tons of bands I have lots, but that would just be me listing bands for like an hour. So very well, I give you some big ones. Okay, number two, in honor of Frank's style questions, which music biopic is better? Uh, Uh, Oh my goodness! uh, Uh, Walk the Line versus Ray. Fuck. I don't know. I don't know if I've even ever seen Ray. I haven't seen Ray either. But I I just say Walk the Line. I I I like Johnny. I, I didn't like. Or was it walk? See, I'm thinking of um, is it Walk the Line, the Johnny Cash one? Yeah. What's the the comedy one? Uh, walk hard. Walk hard. Okay. See that? Well, so what, I haven't seen either. Then you've never seen Walk Hard. I've never seen Walk the Line, and oh. I've seen Walk Hard. Walk Hard sucks, but I'm a Walk mi- Hard's awesome. I am a minority yeah. view. I, I definitely understand that. Like I, yeah. I, but Walk Hard, I thought was horrible. I, I didn't think it was funny in the least. But yeah, I've I've seen neither, so neither wins for me. Um yeah. next up, Sid and Nancy versus Bohemian Rhapsody. Uh well neither of us I think will ever watch Bohemian Rhapsody. Yeah. 
But uh, let's say Bohemian Rhapsody, Oscar Oscar <laughs> award winning. Uh, I guess I'll have to go see Nancy. But uh, hey, RJ, did you know that Bohemian Rhapsody made nine hundred million dollars in box office? Nine hundred mm-hmm. million. Well, what does this podcast make on the Patreon each month? Like half that. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Uh, next, Amadeus versus Eight Mile. <laughs> uh, I think the answer is clear. Eight Mile. Mm-hmm. I've mm-hmm. never I've never seen Eight Mile because I don't care about Eminem. Eight. So that go with Amadeus. Do you want to hear my Eight Mile story, amazing. Jared? No. Okay, wait. Finish what you have to say about Amadeus. The movie well, is amazing. Amadeus is amazing. And yeah, I'm, I'm trying I'm not pretty, to steamroll you I'm pretty sure Eight Mile is not amazing. I steamrolled you while I was explaining how I wasn't going to try to steamroll you anymore. Mm-hmm. Did you Did you pick up on that? Yeah. So when I was in junior high, Jared, I watched Eight Mile and I thought it stunk. Uh, and there was this guy I knew that I was friends with. And he was like, Eight Mile's amazing, man. I was like, no, it's not. That movie stinks. He's like, you just don't understand rap battles, dude. And I was like, what? It's like, what are you talking about? Because I was Tupac thug life in junior high, Jarrett. I had a belt buckle with rhinestones and t-shirts and stuff. I've heard. And I was like, it's like, I understand rap battles, my man. So now I've never watched that movie again, out of spite. The Doors versus oh. Straight Outta Compton. Uh, again, I've never seen either, but I like Jim Morrison. So let's go with Val Kilmer. Wow. Okay. I don't know. I've some, never some, seen some either all, of those. Ollie Stone. Oh, I've only seen The Doors. So, yeah, uh, yeah I guess The Doors by default. Mm. Number three. Are you going to see the upcoming Elton John biopic Rocket Man? Ooh. I, I don't know if you know this, Jared, but I think it is like almost a, the exact production team that was uh responsible for bohemian rhapsody like it was the brian singer well it was the director who stepped in after brian singer was removed yeah so i'm sure it's gonna just be more of that right yeah i saw the trailer for this and uh it looks really really poor to me like it has Mm -hmm. very uh it looks like a cheap tv movie that i don't know to me like it's not cheap but it looks like a tv like a netflix tv movie if you will a netflix tv movie yeah uh, I like Elton John's music. That's, I'm not. Yeah, I like Elton John music too. Maybe when this thing pops up on Netflix in like four years, I'll maybe watch it. Hmm. These questions. Uh, some more verses. This time with themes and soundtracks. Oh, dear. Sup- Superman theme versus Batman theme. Batman. Uh, I, I'm assuming that's yeah, the seventy for uh, Superman theme. Batman. <laughs> See, I can I, I know the Superman theme immediately. The the Batman Danny Elfman one. Like the thing is, it's like Batman animated series better mm-hmm. than both. But I, I'd say that the Superman theme is the best part of the Superman movie. What about Junkie XL's Batman theme from uh, Batman v Superman? No. no. Oh no. Okay. Fine. What are it's you? fine. A wonder, the Wonder Woman theme versus the Avengers theme. <laughs> I don't fucking know. <laughs> uh, Jared, Jared's only seen Avengers once in theater when it came out and yeah. uh, never Wonder Woman. Uh, I don't remember what either of those sounded like. Nope. At uh, all. Not not at, not at all. Top Gun soundtrack versus Star Wars. Uh, Top Gun because of Danger Zone. Uh, ugh. Yeah, I, so the only one of these that I had in our my house growing up was the Top Gun soundtrack. Never actually had the Star Wars original score, 
that old John Williams thing. Mm-hmm. I did have the episode one uh, soundtrack, though. Is that good? It's got that uh, Duel of the Fates. I think I had that. Yeah, that song's pretty wicked. Yeah. I think I had that soundtrack, too. I also had, did you collect the Pogs from Pizza Hut, the episode one Pogs? I did not. I had those. They were pretty cool. I had, like, I think I had, like, eight Padmes because they just, like, that was the one no one wanted, so they put them in, like, every pizza. Um, yeah, so I mean, I probably listened to actually to the Top Gun soundtrack more, but I would say <laughs> upon rewatching the original Star Wars, how amazing the John Williams music is that it's, it's Star Wars, but it's a fair point, I guess. Uh, and then finally, uh, Pulp Fiction soundtrack mm-hmm. versus Space Jam. I have no, I've never seen Space Jam. I have no, I, I, I could never tell you what, what a single piece of music in Space Jam is. So <laughs> where Pulp- did you grow up? <laughs> Like, what is your deal? <laughs> Why would I watch that movie? Why? Because everyone watched that movie. I don't care about basketball. It's an, it's amazing that you haven't seen it up to this point because not only not, – not just not seen it in theaters, but the amount that that movie played on TV over the last 20 years, you n- you've never seen that? I've watched 20 years of other movies, I guess. Bad movies, apparently. Yeah, so I have Pulp Fiction soundtrack for me. I'll just say Space Jam because fuck you, Jarrett. <laughs> Oh, and number five. Also, what are some of your favorite movie themes and soundtracks? Um, I'd say that the Paul Thomas Anderson soundtracks are like pretty exquisite from mm-hmm. uh, Boogie Nights, Magnolia, Punch Drunk Love. I listened mm-hmm. the, to the shit of those motherfuckers. Um, Quentin Tarantino soundtracks are pretty good. I listened to that Jackie Brown soundtrack a lot. Yeah. I'm going to cheat. Oh, Wes Anderson soundtracks. Yeah. Wes Anderson's pretty good. Um, I can't think of any off the top of my head, but I'm going to cheat and I'll say uh, Friday Night Lights, Jarrett, because that's actually, I'm, be, I'm being serious. Sports. Because, uh, well, no, because I really like the band Explosions in the Sky. I listen to it when I work just because it's it's totally like instrumental. So I like it and it worked good in that movie. Did you like that movie, Jarrett? Uh, have you never seen I, Friday Night Lights? I have actually seen it. Uh, it's very fine. Yeah. That soundtrack's pretty awesome, though. I don't remember it. <laughs> well, why don't you just pause pause the recording, go listen to the entire soundtrack of Explosions in the Sky, and then come back and let me know. Okay. 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 Deal. Fine. I'm just okay, we're my... back, and yeah. uh, Jared uh, oh, has wow. just... Uh, I can't believe listened. I listened to it. Wow. Uh, yeah. It's shit, RJ. Jared. <laughs> Jared. Um, how about uh, the Candyman soundtrack, Ooh, which then, yeah. which Phil uh, Glass, who also does Mishima, which is also amazing. I have a lot. Actually, I really like soundtracks a lot. Um, actually, I do. First I time I, I was ever in Jared's car, the soundtrack playing was the Cannibal Holocaust one. That's true. <laughs> yep. So, what about that one? Is that one of your faves? Yeah, it's pretty good. Uh, it's actually mm, there. It's there's some dead spots in that soundtrack and then there's like the iconic music so it's more fun to be like driving around you know the prairies while listening to cannibal holocaust music so yeah suspiria gob- anything with goblins always a, yeah. a good time so Fuck yeah. so much good stuff this isn't a music podcast though thanks again for the Tonight best criterion <laughs> podcast around you guys rock keep on creeping sincerely justin peterson thanks justin that's nice of him. I appreciate it. The only Criterion podcast around, I, th- I believe, right? Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. Best by default, baby. And finally, Sam Sanchez. Ooh, he's here. Uh, with an uh, email entitled, 
ramblings. Hi, Uh-oh. guys. I'm trying to recall what I plan to email in this week about. I had something in mind, but I'm way too lazy to go through the episode again to remind myself. So I'll try and guess what it was. I think uh, it was in regards to Jared's movie collection. How mm. how active, Jared, are you still with collecting Blu-rays? I think you've mentioned it vaguely, but do you still like actively buy weekly, monthly, or just whenever something catches your eye? To answer that, um, I've definitely slowed down with pre-ordering stuff blindly. Yeah, um, there's like way too many times where I think it was like that Dagon that uh, Vestrom video came out with, and then you find out after you get it, oh, the picture quality sucks. Like they didn't do a mm-hmm. great restoration of it. And you're like, God damn it! So all you're doing is when you pre-order, try to get like a better price on it, and then you find out it's a substandard product, and now you're stuck with this thing, which is probably the only way that you're ever going to be able to watch it anyway. And I still would have bought it regardless, but things like that yeah. kind of turn me off. Bad like price drops like right after you buy something where you're like hmm i could have just not spent that money at all but um as discussed last week so but if it's like the right movie like if it's something that's coming out on blu-ray it's never been available that i've watched like a digital copy of online like that's like Mm -hmm. a rip of a vhs that i know i'd love to have a copy of i'll buy that um but yeah and it's for a new movie i better really want it because or it better have Mel Gibson in it. Or better have Mel Gibson in it. Who's your Mel Gibson, Jarrett? I don't have one. Okay, we'll think about it. We'll we'll figure that out next weekend or um, next week. Sam continues. Mine yes. seems to go seems to come and go in spurts. I at one point mm-hmm. owned the entire Criterion collection. I think around spine six hundred or seven hundred. But after Ugh. now going a few years, just buying a few here and there, and actually selling off a chunk of the DVDs, still kept the Blu-rays. I'm more selective on what I buy. That's, uh, mm. yeah, I've heard of some people yep. who actually have had the entire Criterion collection, um, which takes some mad dollars, but I think it helps if you have a store that would bring them in like the day of, I never had access to that. And, mm. uh, there's Why some... not, Jared? Because, oh, because this town stinks, RJ, in more oh, ways okay. than one. Okay. Sorry. Keep going. Um, but yeah, that's, <laughs> that's perseverance. That's a yeah. lot of movies that aren't that great. <laughs> if you're really yeah, that's about true. It. I still have the collecting mentality, though, as I own a pretty huge chunk of other boutique labels like Vinegar Syndrome, Indicator, and Arrow. Speaking of Vinegar Syndrome, do you, Jarrett, plan on buying anything towards the end of the month for the Vinegar Syndrome sale? Not sure how worth it is it or how worth it is when talking about Canadian bucks. Uh, yeah, actually, I am planning on jumping on some Vinegar Syndrome sale action next weekend. Uh, what are you gonna get? I don't know exactly, but I've got a I've got a list. There, there's like these two. Um, they always do these packages where it's like the May releases, and they have uh, two mystery titles in there. And Ooh. I'm kind of waiting to see what those are. If they're like real uh, exciting movies, then their website crashes, and it's, there's a mad rush to get these things with slip covers. But mm. um, yeah, no, I I really enjoy uh, Vinegar Syndrome. I was really into buying all of Arrow stuff for a f- the little first little while, but their prices just kept creeping up and up. And the, the movies mm. in general are just things I'm like, I have zero interest in watching this, let alone for like 35 bucks. Um, Give an example. Oof, I'd have to go through their arrow stuff. There's stuff. Hey, never like, mind. There's, there's movies that are just like, nah, nah, <laughs> not for me. Um, but like, I mean, I was anything. It's like, if it's like a spaghetti Westerns, I used to like, blindly buy but then they started really digging this stuff we were like no no thanks mm-hmm. um and 
I mean, usually it's like if it's like a genre horror movie, I'll give it a look. But sometimes you're buying a two star movie and it still costs you that much. It doesn't matter how much you clean it up. It's still boring. An indicator I haven't jumped into. That's like a region two stuff, some region free. I just like, I don't know. There's too many options, too many things. Sure. But I'll be looking at that vinegar syndrome sale. On the, oh, on the topic of movie tropes that someone wrote in about, not even a trope I like or dislike, but something a now defunct podcast I used to listen to would always point out, and now I can't help but always notice it. Uh-oh. Mm. It is 100% of the time when a bullet is removed out of someone's wound, it is always dropped onto something metallic, so you always get that clang. Just mm. something I always look for to see if they avoid the clang, and they never do. Well, where else are you supposed to drop it back in? I get, yeah, maybe on the ground. Yeah, I think it's just like standard medical well, equipment, even, right? Or even when it's not in a medical scene, they just have to drop into oh. something. To, to, it really drives home the weight of the metal, you know? I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. It's like they're outside, they drop it on like an ease trough, just be, be like, Doom. Yeah. Oh, you know yeah. I, mean? I loved what? Down by Law when I first saw it. I believe mm. it has a semi-rare 5 out of 5 for me, but I haven't Ooh. seen it since I originally rated it in my pre-letterbox IMDb rating days, which was probably about 12 years ago now. Damn. And just remembered one more thing from two weeks ago. RJ talked about Thunder Road. I thought that was one of the better surprises for me from last year. Yeah. W- watched it not expecting it much, uh, expecting much, and thought the lead actor played dramatic yet awkwardly comedic pretty well. Jared mm-hmm. hates everything, but it might be something he hates slightly less. <laughs> See, that's what I was saying too. Remember, I was like, I don't think Jared will love it, but I think he he wouldn't mind it. Why, I, why, why do I? Why am I the hater? Huh? Because you hate everything. RJ hates things so much, and but yeah, I'm but the hater. People people brush me off because I'm so lovable. Yeah, you're just uh, this ogre over there, <laughs> shitting on everyone's good good vibes. My, my ogre shit. Yeah, ogre shit. My, yeah, my, my Shrek sized shits. Mm-hmm. What are you going to talk about tonight? Movies that you're going to shit on? Maybe. Oh. Oh, RJ. Well, I can't wait to hear about Under the Silver Lake. Um, <laughs> Sam Sanchez concludes, I'll probably have to try uh, and write in after I listen to the episode rather waiting, uh, rather waiting until Tuesday and forgetting what you guys even talked about mm-hmm. as to avoid incredibly rambly emails that you guys yeah. probably should have just skipped over. Thanks. He writes in all caps at the end. Thanks, Sam. Yeah. Yeah, thanks, Sam. Yeah, yeah. you guys can email at any time. Any, any time. Jared, Jared's not doing it'll anything. Just, it'll just sit there. It'll, yeah. it'll, it'll keep till Wednesday. Yeah. But yeah, Thunder Road is good. I'll watch it. Don't worry. I'll, I'll get good. there. I'll get there. Well, anyone else listening? That's a good Unless, show. Unless uh, Amazon Prime like takes it away. So, oh, that's like it some, could. okay, so here's some bullshit. So Criterion Channel. They're oh, like yeah. they're, they're dropping movies. Like I so, saw, so Elephant Man isn't going to be around after the end of the month. It's it like, was only here for like for a month. What yeah. the fuck? I, I don't get this. Like uh, this this is the sort of thing you know when I get my first bill like for, mm. uh, for getting charged. I'm like man, they're doing this now. Like this is the shit people laugh like go why? Like I get that like you want to keep yeah. it fresh and then you can't keep everything indefinitely because it probably there are costs with it. But mm-hmm. I don't know. I think I saw some like actual Criterion Collection like spine numbers also rotating out for a time. And I'm like, what's up with that? Mm-hmm. Like that's really frustrating, especially from our perspective where the channel should be making our life that much easier by having all this stuff available at our fingertips and also, you know, should. expand our audience who could potentially listen along uh, if they so chose. Should. And this just like makes that, mm, you know, by the time we get to it, oh, that one's off now. Now you have to go procure it. <laughs> it doesn't help. <laughs> what the hell? Yeah. 
Yeah, that sucks. Yeah, it's one of the advantages of physical media. It's like you can just watch this stuff. I just see their uh, Twitter account all day is uh, putting out fires from mm-hmm. people complaining about their uh, the inconsistency of mm-hmm. how it runs. Yeah, I'm I'm glad I got a fire stick right off the bat. That's all. Yeah. That. Then there's people who are like, indignant about this idea that they have to like upgrade their technology to make things work. But like I just saw. Um, WWE Network, they just said like they're not supporting like all this stuff, like Xbox 360s, PS3s, mm-hmm. like they're just not doing it anymore. And I'm like, well, no. there you go. So are you going to get the WWE Network on the Fire Stick? No. <laughs> it's oh. like, not at all. Because I think even in Canada, if I wanted to, you have to get like a cable package to get access to it. Oh, that's true, actually. It's, it's crap. Yeah. Why bother? It is and, crap. Thank like you. Anyways, hey, RJ. What? What you been creeping on this week? Fuck, I don't even know anymore. Um, you, you last week, uh, you didn't get to talk about wildlife. Fuck it, that feels like uh, years ago now that I saw that thing. I know. I mean, really, I mean, you've, all these like these only these three movies you've watched this week. I, I know, but it's they're so far far between that it's, uh, between it's getting tough to remember it movies. All. Yeah, I've just uh, people have probably seen that my letterbox is pretty inactive lately. Um, mm-hmm. Just not watching movies, I guess, in that sum- summer mode, Jarrett. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Let me try to drum up some uh, thoughts on wildlife. Um, Three and a half stars. Yeah, it's not bad. It's not bad. Uh, so this is from my boy, Paul Dano. Uh, you know him <laughs> from There Will Be Blood. Yeah. Uh, and creep approved uh, Swiss Army Man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. So this is his... Paul Dano. Is he McPoyle? I'm just, no, I'm like, what are you no. talking I'm, about? What am I talking about? I'm like, You're talking the about the, the, the guy, guy from Loser? Yeah. No, Paul Dano. Uh, He's a survivor in Zodiac. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, exactly. You know who Paul Dano is. Yeah. So uh, this is his directorial debut. I believe he wrote this thing also. Uh, my biggest takeaway from this is that Paul Dano is a child of divorce because uh, that's what this movie is about. Actually, you like know Noah who he Bondack? wrote it with? Yeah, kind of. Not the movie Adult Child of Divorce, but uh, he wrote it. He was in that movie Ruby Sparks with that lady Zoe Kazan, and uh, she wrote this with him too, I guess. Maybe they're together, Jarrett. We can, we can speculate. Ooh. Ooh. Uh, so what do you know about wildlife, Jer? Nothing. Okay, so this just popped up on Netflix. Takes place in the 60s in Montana near the Canadian border, Jarrett. Oh, That's right. That's right. Topical for us and relevant for our life for one of us uh for one of us yeah more soon um so it's in the 60s in montana and uh there are wildfires burning uh in northern montana and in uh southern alberta canada what's this movie called wildlife not wildfire because life is wild baby life is wild uh so we have carrie mulligan uh who does a, a great job in this and uh she is married to Mr. Jake Gyllenhaal, and they have a teenage son named Ed Oxenbold. Uh, you remember him as the annoying piece of shit kid from The Visit, that M. Night Shyamalan movie, Jared. <laughs> I, I've never seen that movie. Uh, that movie's fine, uh, but he's annoying in that because he raps. Um, oh, I've heard about yeah. that. He's, uh, he's not bad in this, actually. So those are his parents, and they're kind of like – getting by uh jake gyllenhaal is a retire or not retired he he works at a golf course and 
it seems like he wanted to be an amateur pro, but he was never quite good enough. So he works at the golf course as like, uh, the, um, the groundskeeper, uh, just to like stay near it. Um, but he doesn't really make enough money. There's, there's, there's a trope. There's a trope. Yeah. So he, he's there, but that only lasts for the first five minutes. Uh, cause in the first five minutes he gets fired from that job cause he's too jovial with all the people. He's always joking and betting with them and stuff. And, uh, well, those, uh, country club folk, they don't like that. Um, mm. so they fire him. So Carrie Mulligan gets put in a tight spot. Uh, she's like, well, we need money. So she goes back to work. She's teaching swimming at the YMCA. Uh, and they're just trying to get along. Uh, so what this movie is about really is Jake Gyllenhaal is kind of like lost with where to go. So he's kind of moping around. He's uh, sitting in his car all day listening to the radio instead of going to look for a job. Uh, and then at nighttime, he sleeps on the couch and drinks beer. And he doesn't really know what to do. So his wife is getting frustrated. And his son is just there. Uh, and then what happens, Jared, is Jake Gyllenhaal makes... He hits him with a swerve and he signs up to go be part of the the fire brigade to make a dollar a day and go fight the fire. So he leaves and then it's just son and uh, mother Carrie Mulligan hanging out. Uh, and uh, as you can imagine, um, she's not very happy about it, Jared. And she's getting lonely and she's worried about their future. So she starts seeing other men. <laughs> Like in a very short period of time here? Or in a what? very, well, it's over like, I think you're supposed to take it over like the course of a year. I see. But uh, the, she's under the impression that he, uh, Jake Gyllenhaal's never coming back because he doesn't call. And when he does call, he's like, huh, what? Uh. So uh, he, he has a reputation of being flaky and up and leaving when things get tough. So she doesn't think he's coming back. Uh, so she starts um, seeing what else is out there. Sucking and it, fucking. Ooh, gross. Uh, she hooks up with Bill Camp, uh, who, if you saw him, you'd recognize him. He's like bigger, older guy. He's pretty cool. Isn't, yeah, I think he's in, I think it's the guy that's in uh, Ballad of Buster Scruggs. He could be. He's in Birdman, 12 Years a Slave, Killing of a Sacred Deer, Lincoln, Black Mass, Joker, the new Joker. Wow. Uh, you'd recognize him. Anyways. So this movie is very much through the perspective of uh, a shut up, a shut up over there. Oh, God damn. Good. I'm I'm talking. This is inappropriate. Go on. So it's it's very much uh, through the perspective of the the son and kind of like him being pushed and pulled both ways. Like he sees his mom hanging out and he's like, oh, I don't like that. But then his dad's never there. And then when his dad is around, his dad's kind of like a drunk weirdo. And he's like, Ugh. he's like, I don't like that either. So it's very much about like, bro, I guess just being in like a household where the parents are getting divorced or they're separated. So that's why I was saying it seems like Paul Dano. Uh, it, this, this seems pretty personal. This had to have been like his life for sure. Yeah. If it's not, he did a good job writing it. Um, no, it's good. I liked it. Um, shot really nice. It's got good cinematography. Uh, it's got a good score. The story itself is, it's not bad. Um, it's its kind of frustrating to watch. And especially like, I don't know, maybe, maybe it's because I am a child of divorce. There were certain scenes mm. where I was like really uncomfortable. I was like, Ugh. 
like you're like you don't like that so um it is kind of like i don't know there were scenes that i was frustrated with because of what characters were doing but i don't know if that's like a mark on the movie or uh being negative or maybe it's that it's effective because you're just like do you know what i mean Jared? no maybe that was the point uh my parents did not divorce ah well then (laughs) so anyways uh no it's a good show i liked it i don't know if this is a Jarrett pick but i think other um more responsible and mature people might like this movie The, the person i'm thinking of bill camp is bill heck for anyone who gives a shit. Well, it's definitely not Bill Heck. Yeah. Sure, well, there sure you go. Isn't. Bill Heck's like in nothing. Not yet. No. Anything else you want to hear about Wild Ass? Nope. All right. So you want to hear about another uh, Jake Gyllenhaal movie? Sure. So I watched this Jared pick. Mm-hmm. The Sisters Brothers. The Sisters Brothers. No, I said it better. Sisters Brothers. Sisters Brothers. Yeah. By Jacques. Uh, this is what I think you claimed is based on a book. Yes. It hasn't can, been substantiated. A Canadian book. How old is that book? Mm, 2011? It won its big award back then, I believe. So Jared talked about this movie a bit before, mm-hmm. correct? Yes. Yeah, so I won't go too into detail. Uh, I liked it. Uh, it's good. I don't think I liked it as much as you did. Mm-hmm. Uh, which I think is puts me probably in the average because I think most people were were like that. They're like, yeah, I like it. But uh, I think you really liked it and some other fans of the show really liked it. Uh, I do. The one thing that I, I think it does really well is um, it shows some of the glamorous, uh, glamorous parts of living in the West, like where John C. Riley is just sick a lot. And they're like... Yeah horse backing around and Joaquin Phoenix is drunk falling off of horses and John C. Riley has like some fever thing when he's out in the middle of nowhere. And then that's just what they do for like a week. It's just like him being really out of it. Kind of like aimlessly going around. Cause that's what living in the world would be like without, live, you know, yeah. shelter out in the sleeping in the mountains. Yeah. So I really liked that. Uh, and I also, um, I like kind of how they, not like pacing isn't the right word, but how they would kind of progress the story along. I guess that's pacing. Uh, But the way where it's like, it would just show them like riding their horses here and there. And they would like, I thought it did a good job where it didn't, it kind of went away from what I think a lot of Westerns focus on, like certain parts of traveling that they, those other Westerns focus on. And this one was more like, yeah, they're riding their horses. Now they, now they are where they need to be. And it would be like you would cut back and they'd be riding the horses again or again. And then they would, you know, does that make sense? Probably not. doesn't matter. So we got, uh, I, I really like John C. Riley. I thought he was the best part in this movie because I liked his kind of like turmoil, I guess. I like that he really just wanted to not be a bandit anymore. And I thought it was really sad when he was brushing his teeth because he, he wanted more in his life, Jared. For the very first time. For the very first time. But I don't know what it was. Maybe that's just me. I thought that scene was really sad because he's like, he's trying something new, but it's not the life that he has. Well, it's also, it like, I guess like it's, I, it's I, like I, a small luxury, but it's like, yeah, because he wants that life, but he can't have it. Well, does think, that make sense? Well, I think it's just more like with the rolling out of technology, like because like when you're like a rural kid, this idea of toothpaste and like having to explain yeah. how to like 
create your uh, your mix of it and applying it yeah. and how how one actually brushes their teeth. It's not like this is like oh everyone knew how to do that. It's like no, there was a period of time where like you know this was not available and this was like yeah. it, it being marketed and stuff like that. That's always the thing I love about westerns like uh, like a Deadwood for instance. Um, See, you got to read between the lines, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I feel like I I didn't. So, subscribe to that to that. Ne- that necessary reading of it um that's fine you don't have to i'm just saying that was what i took from it but more in line with uh how i took his character as a whole throughout the whole movie where i, I was just sad, i was like i was sad for him i was like i i wish he could leave and start his shop and sell hank- handkerchiefs and stuff but he can't he can't. He's got to look after his, his ridiculous brother. His brother. I also, I did a Joaquin Phoenix uh, drunk puking on people I thought was pretty funny, uh, which I don't usually find puking on other people uh, humorous, but I think this really nails where it's appropriate and where it isn't appropriate, Jarrett. Mm-hmm. Riz Ahmed was good. Jake Gyllenhaal was good too. Uh, if not maybe overcast for the role or underplayed, I don't know. He seemed like a high-profile actor to be in that uh, position. Well, yeah, you get the uh, the, uh, the the Nightcrawler reunion. There it is. I forgot that was Riz Ahmed. You sh- of course you did. W- what about, uh, did you like that Rutger Hauer uh, cameo? Yeah. <laughs> For uh, corpse punching? Yeah. Yeah, no, uh, Sisters Brothers is good. I liked it. It's a good old Weston, and I'm reading Westons right now, Jarrett. You are. I would say Sisters Brother is probably better than the Western that I'm reading right now. <laughs> really? <laughs> but uh, I I, I, ref, I refrain judgment until I'm done the finished product, okay? okay. How, I'm how, not going to rush out there. How about the uh, fun with chemicals scene? Yeah, I like that. So I was a little confused. What was uh, Joaquin Phoenix trying to do when he grabbed the whole jug, like just make it more? Well, he thought there was there was a problem that like, hey, we can't see the rocks. Got to put more of it uh-huh. in. He's an idiot. He, and, I uh, see. Yeah, he, he's impatient. Yeah, it's like pretty much to his core of his character of like, he's an idiot. And uh, he's like, what? It's going away. Oh, I got to do this. And they're like, no, don't do that. He's like, I, but no one tells him what to do. And uh, horror happens. <laughs> yeah, that, that that's pretty good. I didn't expect uh, this Western to have body melts. Mm-hmm. But uh, I was like, ooh. I was like, that's pretty good. Um, it's the best kind it's, of, that's one of my favorite elements of uh, Westerns is when, things, when things get horrific because it's like, yeah, there isn't mm-hmm. much you would be able to do about it. And just like the the raspy sounds of breathing mm-hmm. and uh, yeah. Just horribly melted <sighs> men. That's good. Yeah, it was, uh, yeah, I, I did I did enjoy that quite a bit. And see, that's what I mean. That's why I, I felt so sad for John C. Riley. I was like, it, he was just getting out of it. And Joaquin Phoenix done did it to him again. And, and, and it turns out he's the real killer. Who are the real animals? No. So, yeah, Sisters Brothers is good. Now, Jared, do you want to hear about a movie that I watched this week? Mm. A little movie from a guy that I think we have described on the show as a nut bar. Uh, this is that guy, right? I mean, David know. Robert Mitchell. The man who brought us It Follows. Yeah. This guy's a nut bar, right? Um, what I recall is this man doesn't... It Follows seems like a fluke. And it seems like the, the movie being made by this guy and then everything he has said since then about it, mm-hmm. you're like, 
I don't think this is uh, this isn't on the up and up. This seems uh, like the worst thing possible. So I would love to get your take on this thing. Yeah, but I want you to watch the entire thing and not stop it. So all I watched two and a half hours of this. All thing. two and a half hours. Yeah. Uh, I watched Under the Silver Lake, which is a movie that I've seen pop up pretty frequently on my Letterboxd, and it's either. It's pretty clean split. We got a lot of like five star, four and a half, five stars. And then we got a lot of like one stars. And I was like, what is this about? And I've heard about it on other channels where people are like, yeah, this is a strange movie. It's a weird movie to be released like as a major movie. So do you know anything about Under the Silver Lake, Jarrett? I do a little bit. So Andrew Garfield, my boy who Andrews says looks like a cancer patient with a huge head. Um, that's not a direct quote, but she uh, she's also playing a character for this podcast. Um, so he lives in L.A. Uh, and he kind of goes around doing stuff. And he lives in this condo complex. And one day he sees this real pretty girl swimming in the pool and he goes and spends the day with her. They hang out in her apartment. They don't get freaky or nothing like that, but they have this really nice bonding moment with each other. And then the next day he goes to see her and uh, her apartment is completely cleaned out. And he's like, oh, that's weird. Where'd she go? So he goes and talks to the landlord. The landlord's like, what are you, some kind of pervert? Get out of here. Uh, So he gets put out on a mission kind of where he's like, where did this girl go? And then he he kind of forced gumps it a little bit where he keeps getting brought into these scenarios, like these different situations because of his overarching goal. So he goes and he goes to some hipster bands called like Jesus and the Brides of Dracula. And uh, they are they are a consistent thing throughout the movie where a lot of the stuff that happens is he's at their concerts. So he'll go to concert concerts. And you'll meet people and then you'll meet like there's these celebrities that are famous because their dad was just kidnapped or or has gone missing. So he meets them. They get brought into it, too. Uh, On the side, he is a big fan of this Daniel Klaus-esque cartoonist making a comic book called Under the Silver Lake. And it's all about conspiracy theories. So he goes and he talks to this guy and this guy's like a paranoid schizophrenic and he's talking about this owl woman that goes in and like kills uh kills like single men so andrew garfield's like oh that's weird but then he starts seeing symbolism and like codes in subliminal messages in music and in billboards and in movies and everywhere that you go and where it goes from there is it it dips definitely way heavier into uh, like conspiracy theory stuff where it's like, it's kind of like, it's not specifically Illuminati, but it's kind of like, what if there was like one great conspiracy and it's all about like what music is and what movies are and what those mean to other people. And then it kind of dips into like art and like what art is and metaphors and like, Nintendo Power Magazine is in this too because it's like this movie is I think they're trying to go for a timeless thing Jarrett Mm -hmm. where it's like music from music and actors from the 50s and 60s and the 80s and the 90s and current day but like our main character he has a Nintendo and he has a uh, VCR 
and he's really into old cinema. So I've heard this described as a love letter quote to Hollywood. I know you you're a big fan of those a, a love letter to Hollywood and a homage to cinema. Sorry, I'm banging around in her. Um, it's described as many things, Jared. Mm-hmm. Sounds pretty pomo to me. Uh, this is, this movie is actually like, so you remember when you were talking about hereditary and you're like, I don't really know how I feel on this. And I gave you a hard time about it. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't really know how to feel about this movie, Jared, because there were times where I found this movie extremely frustrating and like outright annoying where I was like, holy fuck, this is horrible. I was like, this is, it's very over the top and heavy handed. Uh, I take this as a self-aware wolf, uh, self-aware wolves, which is a, a subreddit that I like. And I think I'm going to start taking movies like this where the movie will make a point to address like, say a trope where in movies where it's like, this is something that always happens. Uh, and they're like making fun of it. And then it'll happen in the movie. Like as that's like the ironic thing is that it happens to them, but then it'll happen like again on top of that but unironically so it's like the movie is aware of the things that it has set up in there and it does it intentionally but then it goes too far and i think it falls into the the exact same like like pitfalls that it's trying to comment on this this is a very this this movie is a social commentary jerry and all the things are very like I don't know, like there were there were some things in this where I was just like, holy fuck, like it's so heavy handed and over the top and on the nose. You're just like, oh, my say God. laboring the point. Yeah, a little bit like, <laughs> oh, my God, there like I, that's what I mean. I would love to get your unbridled um, hot take yeah, on this thing because I feel like you would do it. I think if I was a more educated film man. I would maybe take more out of it because I see all these people reviews where it's like it's this scene is a thing to this and this scene is a thing to that. And I'm sure there's like some Wikipedia page that details every single Easter egg. But I think there's a certain point where like quantity is not better than like quality where it's like making homages or love letters. You can focus on like one or two things, but you don't have to include all of cinema in your two and a half hour movie, I think. Um, so when I was saying, I don't really know what to think. My overall opinion was that I did not like this. I was like, ugh, it's like, I don't like that. But there are glimmers of like a good movie at certain parts in there. And I was like, man, that's super frustrating that there's like some good stuff in here, but not enough. And the one that I actually really liked was, um, this is by no means a horror movie or anything like that at all like i would say this is even very loosely a thriller it's like i i don't know what you describe this as it's not a thriller or a horror movie would you call uh, it lynchian oh, maybe like if david lynch was in junior high and was masturbating all the time this movie's got a lot of like sex stuff in it too which i find bothersome where it's just like i don't need to well it's just like see like long scenes of andrew garfield like jacking off and i'm like i don't need to see this (laughs) like nobody needs to see this what is this in here for where it's like he has an epiphany at that moment and i imagine the guy writing this was probably like that's that's totally how it is man i have my best ideas when i'm pleasuring my body like like i don't know i know i'm a prude but there were scenes like that i was like why is this fucking in here (laughs) 
there's a scene where Tobey Maguire is flying a drone to spy on lady, like naked ladies. And people are like, oh, it's like Hitchcock. And it's like, what? I don't remember that scene in uh, Rear Psycho. Yeah, in Rear Window when uh, the Jimmy Stewart's flying the, the drone to go spy on people. <laughs> well, it's like, 2019, Rear Window. You know Hitchcock would be using drones. Well, so that's the other thing I find really frustrating where it's like everyone's like, oh, it's Rear Window because he like he sits in his apartment and watches his neighbors with binoculars. It's like that doesn't make it Rear Window. That just makes this guy like a creep. Like there's nothing about that that like he doesn't witness a murder. But that's, just watching... that's what all good movies are is just references to other films. That's <sighs> that's all people want. That's why they get so mad when I say Hidden Fortress has nothing to do with Star Wars. Shut up. It doesn't. Like, I, I uh, agree with you on yeah, that Yeah, one. it's like, because Star Wars references it, it makes Hidden Fortress a better movie. It's like, nope. But no, so yeah. like that's, I don't know. Yeah. So I, I was going to say, though, um, it's by no means a horror movie. But the one scene that I actually really liked, and I know, I think you would be a fan of it, is when you kind of get the, uh, the fruition of this owl woman kind of play out in one scenario and i actually thought it was like really effective i was like man i was like that's the movie i want to watch is uh this myth uh myth lore uh this folk tale about this owl woman that kills single men like there's it's not long it's like a minute long or something like that and i was like ooh, i was like i like this but then it doesn't come up again and i was like man fuck fuck oh this movie also has young people in old makeup ah that's like for, very, very contemporary. I couldn't tell who it was. It looks like Bruce Campbell kind of, but oh, uh, apparently it's nobody. That's what I that's what I figured because I was like, who the fuck is this apparently, old man? Apparently. So anyways, are you interested? Are you gonna watch um God this movie? Know. You I, should I, watch well, it for sure. Well, I, well, I have to watch this and Thunder Road? Do, do I get like my own life back ever? Well, Thunder Road is good though. No. I think you would like Thunder Road. And uh Jared, don't you want to be part of the conversation? No, I kind of almost want to unplug permanently. That's fine too. But I do think I I would just like to get your opinion on this. So um, watch it and then you can tell me what you think. Uh, It's like I said, I was more or less disliked it, but uh, I I found it mostly frustrating because I thought there was good, good parts in it. I just thought it was too over the top. Well, too on the nose. uh. (laughs) I see. Anyways. Anyways. Um, I watched a short film. Oh yeah, called The Hedgehog. Is this about that hit new movie Sonic? Uh, no, but I'm surprised that like no one's brought this up because it is a it's like about a a rat catcher style kid Aww. who wears like a hedgehog, like a Sonic the Hedgehog costume, okay. and it's like in this dreary overcast world where he like runs around in parking lots <laughs> and fields. <laughs> And it's like I've seen so many people just talk about uh, about spectrums <laughs> and autism. Did you, say sh- sh- uh, did you say short film or documentary? It's a short film. Okay. <laughs> and uh, he, this kid runs around, and then like as he's walking across a hill, he sees this like old fat man in a red suit in a uh, wheelchair. <laughs> Doctor Eggman. Yep. yep. Or, uh, Robotnik. Robotnik. Doctor A- Doctor uh, Eggman yeah. is Mega Man, isn't it? Fuck, I don't remember. Someone's screaming I know you're, right now. Yeah, it's Robotnik is Mega Man. Okay. Eggman. So Dr. Eggman yeah. is Sonic, right? Yeah, that's it. Yeah. That's the ticket. That's what, so, yeah. anyway, uh, so the kid, like, kind of, like, there's, like, this sort of, like, artful transition where, like, 
it's like this kid's looking into the world of the old man, but then we're supposed to think that oh, that's the kid as he grows up. Because if you're if you're if you're the hero long enough, you turn into Eggman. Uh, and the movie ends with Eggman hanging himself. <laughs> it's like whoa! It, it's, it's like uh, it's so bizarre. Like why someone put this much effort into essentially this like uh, try hard uh, atmospheric piece about hedgehog. <laughs> But I think so- that Sonic? Cool. No, it's not. It's uh, I don't know. It's for the Reddit set, we'll say, which I guess it's, you're part of. So I am be- begrudgingly. Yeah. Um, so Doctor Robotnik and Doctor Eggman, it appears, are one and the same. Doctor Wily is Doctor the- Doctor uh, Wily. Wily is uh from Mega Man. So yeah. someone uh is probably upset about that. That's fine. I don't give a shit. So is this a recommend from you? No. <laughs> like, no. But, but I'm really surprised that this hasn't been like more talked about recently in light of the Sonic the Hedgehog movie. I thought people would be all over this The Hedgehog, but I don't know. It's on Vimeo. It's like wherever, however long it is. It's like Sonic. It's short. You can check it's it short? out. People like shorts. Fill in, the, fill in the gaps in their life with You don't short wear films. shorts in the summer, though. I don't. Or sandals. Definitely not sandals. I'm going to wear shorts and sandals to come see you. Yeah, you do that anyway. You don't have to announce it. Well, what's the problem then? I watched a documentary, RJ. Oh, another one? I did. This is an actual documentary. Oh. Uh, It's called Giuseppe Makes a Movie. Giuseppe. Yes, that's right. Uh, This is a film directed by Adam Rifkin, the writer of Small Ah. Soldiers, Director of Detroit Rock City, amongst some Fan other favorite. things. Yep. Uh, Dark Backward, one of those like new faves of mine. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he directed this film, Giuseppe Makes a Movie. Uh, it is about a child actor he worked with on Detroit Rock City. Okay. Who has since grown up to become a like modern day Harmony Corinne type of filmmaker. For- he- Oh, for real? Yeah, like so. This okay. kid, uh, like he was in Independence Day, uh, a, a Pearl, yeah, I know a, the kid, a Pearl Jam music video, that sort of stuff. He, him, and his dad, who's like a uh, backup guitarist for the Gibb Brothers, like for the Bee Gees mm-hmm. and a bunch of other stuff. They live out of cars in parking lots for a while, and then that movie money starts coming in, and they buy themselves some trailers. That they live in, in a trailer park in Mm -hmm. Malibu, California, or Ventura, Ventura, California. And uh, Giuseppe, he has a a specific vision for cinema. He becomes very depressed. He sits around. He watches Pasolini movies, Bunuel movies, Cassavetes. Mm -hmm. And uh, those are his uh, film influences. And he decides, I'm going to make movies too. And all I need is a camera, some mini DV tapes, and I'm going to – my cast will be – People who live in the trailer park and homeless people and alcoholics and drug addicts. Mm-hmm. I, will, I will pay them like 50 bucks and in alcohol and uh, they will be my actors. And so he writes up his screenplays uh, on coil back paper that he tears out after he's done, staples them together. He doesn't give them a second glance. He, he assembles his actors in his trailer that he's just turned mm-hmm. into a de facto, de facto set. And he just lets loose, lets these people just perform. Uh, he reads his lines to them uh, that mm-hmm. they're going to read moment to moment. And he makes such films as uh, Trailer Trash, uh, or sorry, Trailer Town, 
uh, Ants, uh, which is readily available on YouTube. And yeah, he, he made 60 of these things over the course of like a decade because he, he prided himself on the fact that he could make one of these in three days. And it's like <laughs> in this documentary uh, that Adam Rifkin is uh, uh, documenting, which is Garbanzo Gas, which uh, is a title that came to him after he was eating some garbanzo beans and he farted and he went, that's it. That's the title. Garbanzo, farted? He farted. Garbanzo oh. Gas. So that was the title of the film. It's an, uh, it clocks in at like 90 minutes. <laughs> and yeah, I I love this documentary. It is like just fascinating. Really? Uh, yeah, I, I thought it was great. Uh, this kid, like, because there's definitely times when you're watching it and you're like, this is just exploitation, right? Like this full on, like he's just taking advantage of these like poor weirdos and stuff like that. And but is no, he though? No, he's like assembling them, and uh, like they're all Avengers like, style. Avenger style. Every every week. No, hey, Endgame came to mind while I was watching this because wow. there's a scene where one of the actors, one of his, uh, one of the for the climax of the movie, he no shows because he's probably high in a car after doing some crystal meth and he can't make it. Mm. And he's just no one's heard from him. Um, he's like, shit, we don't have the guy from the slaughterhouse for this scene. So they go. Out and they're like, God, where's uh Joe? I don't know. Maybe he's down in the bushes. And they go yell at the yell, yell in the bushes. Joe, Joe, <laughs> you want to do a movie? I got twenty bucks for you. And uh, no, no. And they're like, what about Spit? Yeah, we'll go get Spit. <laughs> so they drive downtown. They grab this guy named Spit who's just hanging out downtown with a couple of uh, very reputable looking people. He uh he he works in a pinch. And I kept thinking like, you know, Kevin Feige, Mister uh, Marvel <laughs> Architect. It's like mm-hmm. if someone just didn't show up. Would they just do? Would they ever have the balls to pull the trigger on this? Well, get, go, go get spit and like Jared. That's what happened with Terrence Howard, <laughs> and they got Don Cheadle. Yeah, like exactly. That's what happened. But did, but did they do it the day of? They just went down. Maybe to the, I don't know to, to the park. And, Who's uh, to say? Grabbed a dude. It's like see, that's that's just uh, movie magic, and it's like it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how it's shot. It doesn't matter if like mm-hmm. the clothes when he left the room and came in back into it are different. People, it's all about the vibe of the movie. So it's all about the vibe. Huh? That's right. So uh, I've now also watched some of uh, Giuseppe's movies um, in regards to another thing altogether. But yeah, this documentary I thought was fantastic. I'm a real sucker for behind the scenes making of documentaries in general. I kind of mm-hmm. forgot about that, but then I was like looking back, and I'm like, no, basically, they're they're usually almost always great. And uh, this is one like I was completely unfamiliar with uh, Mr. Andrew's uh, output. No one seems to talk about it that much. Mm. And uh, I plan on maybe checking out one or two of these things at a time, not overdoing it because I don't think that would mm-hmm. be good for my mental well being. But well, the bummer. Shut up, nerd. So, so he's a, but he's a musician. Uh, yeah, he's writer. in a bunch of uh, Smashing Pumpkins videos. That guy, Smashing Pumpkins, not Pearl Jam. That's it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I knew what. I, as soon as you said it, I was like, that's "I'm going to rock his fucking that, world." That, that's the the other band from the '90s uh, that everyone's uh, always talking about. Yeah, I'm a fan of both of those. I talk about Smashing Pumpkins and Pearl Jam all the time. Yeah, such mm. esoteric tastes, RJ. I, I never said I never I said eclectic, <laughs> eclectic, not esoteric. Yeah. What I meant was I'm kind of all over. Mm. Oh yeah. I'm kind of all over. I'll listen to some heavy rap. I'll listen to some smooth jazz. I'll listen smooth jazz to Jarrett talk for hours on end. Yeah. The worst kind of music. Mm-hmm. So. The worst kind of music. So the guy, yeah. After like 2013, 2014, he just uh. Closed up his internet shop, and uh, you can't get this stuff anymore. 
Oh, that sucks. It's too bad. I was like, yeah, but, it's too uh, bad. Yeah, it's too bad. But anyway, this was a, that was a well, very good documentary. Uh, I I had Chanel watch it the other day, and I was almost getting sucked into watching it for the second time in a week, which to me is a good sign of a good movie. Do you make her watch a lot of movies? No. That's good. Yeah. You should leave her alone. She's a nice girl. Stop bugging her. <laughs> nice lady. She's a nice lady. Stop bugging her and stuff. But, yep. Uh, that was it for me for movies. Hey, RJ. Got any yes. news? Hey, did you get that email about those uh, like stainless steel <laughs> cards from Criterion Collection? I sure did. Did you sign up for yours? Sure did. Fucking rights. Uh, so if anyone here was a uh, charter member. Subscriber. Charter subscriber to the yeah. Criterion channel. Check your email. Check your spam because there is an offer to get some kind of weird steel business card from them with your name engraved into it. It's like a movie dog tag. Why? I have no fucking idea, but whatever. I'm going to get one. Nice. You're going to hear about it. Yeah, you'll you'll see it on Instagram. Yeah. In other news, uh, did you know that a petition has now reached 50,000 signatures to remake season seven and eight of Game of Thrones? Um, you might have sent something along the way to me about this. 50,000 apparently it's at now. Well, uh, and, uh, you know what? Um, that Sonic the Hedgehog movie bowed to the internet. So, uh, who's saying that Game of Thrones might not just be like, all right, sure. I could, I mean, the problem is getting everyone back, but I'm sure HBO would be like, yeah, I mean, if you want to keep paying for this, I mean. Well, I think the, I think what people are saying is HBO offered like multiple seasons for them and they're like, no, we're going to finish it. Hmm. I think that's why that's one of the many reasons people are pissed off was because they're like HBO said that they would give you like at, at least five more seasons to finish the story, but you just wanted to end it now. Paw. Uh, anyways, you haven't seen all that stuff, so we can't talk about it. No. But one day. Yeah, one day when I actually give a shit again. Mm-hmm. Hey, RJ. Yes. It's the middle of the month. Criterion's what does that mean? August 2019 releases were announced today. Hot Is that good? Diggity dog. We've got the Coker trilogy by Abbas Kurostami, the man Conkers? who. Yeah, that's right. Taste of Cherry. Remember that? Oh, yeah. Yeah, he was fine. Yeah. Well, we got such the, the titles in this trilogy uh, Where is the Friend's House? Mm-hmm. And Life Goes On. And mm-hmm. Through the Olive Trees. I don't know what any of that is. Me neither. Actually, I did see one of them was a Douglas Sirk movie, though. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. Magnificent Obsession is getting a HD so, treatment. Because we liked his stuff. We did. Uh, yeah. We've got The Island Sea by Lucille Cara. Mm-hmm. We got The Flavor of Green Tea Over Rice by Yasujiro Ozu. Ooh, you're a big Ozu guy. Yeah, I am. And we're getting a, an HD uh, upgrade treatment to Oliver Granger's favorite movie ever, An Angel at My Table by Jane Campion. Is it though, or are you being, are you being me for a minute? No, uh, well, I mean, it's from New Zealand. New Zealand. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's a very good, uh, New Zealand accent you just did there. New Zealand. Yeah. Was that the same twice or was that different? Different. I think. New Zealand. Wow. Uncanny. It's like Oliver just yeah. logged on to Skype. Well, it's like, it's like, uh, Taiki Watiti. Which has been confirmed by New Zealand people that uh, that is how you do it. Cool. Yeah. There you go. Uh, yeah. That's uh, that's that. 
after the break, we're going to let our hair down and rock <sighs> out, man. Ugh, Garrett. <laughs> it's going to stink like patchouli in here right away. Ooh, I was watching a movie about patchouli this week. What was that? Oh, that was Under the Silver Lake. <laughs> there you go. They talk about patchouli in that. They gotcha. Good times. It's early in the morning. About a quarter till three. I'm sitting here talking with my baby. Over cigarettes and coffee. And to tell you that, dog, I've been so satisfied. Honey, since I've met you. you all man because this is very groovy man monterey is very groovy man this this is this is something man this is this is our generation man all you people are we're all together man it's groovy and dig yourselves because it's really groovy Maybe I'm 
I'm dreaming. And we're back. This is the Criterion Creeps podcast. And tonight we're talking the complete Monterey Pop Festival from 1968. Uh, with little bits and pieces from 1986 and little bits and pieces from 1987. Directed by one really? D.A. Pennybaker. Mm-hmm. The tagline of this film, uh, the, mm-hmm. the Monterey Pop Festival itself. Do you know where your kids are hanging out tonight? That's really weird, man. What does that mean? Featuring performances by popular artists of the 1960s, this concert film highlights the music of the 1967 California Festival. Although not all musicians who performed at the Monterey Pop Festival are on film, some of the notable acts include the Mamas and the Papas, Simon and Garfunkel, Jefferson Airplane, The Who... (laughs) Otis Redding, and the Jimi Hendrix experience. Hendrix's <gasps> post-performance antics, lighting a guitar on fire, breaking it, and tossing a part into the audience are captured. <laughs> so, RJ, this <laughs> is a first-time watch for me. And as some listeners might be aware, I was recently asked in our mailbag what film of the collection next I was least looking forward to. Uh, yes. Perhaps the, the wording was even dreading. And it was this. Why, Jer? Well, RJ, because uh, you don't li- listen to music. I listen to music. Uh, oh, but okay, I, but my relationship with music is, I like listening to my music on my headphones, uh, okay. while, while perhaps doing something else other than watching TV. So, I mean, there's like a line where, like, you know, you're watching a movie and it has some, some mm-hmm. really great music in it, and I go, "Wow, that's really good music." I'd like to mm-hmm. listen to it outside of this experience. Oh, um, sure. And so, I like to go walking. I like to, you know, sit in a room, draw, listening to some music, perhaps even a podcast. But um, Mm -hmm. I'm not a musician. I don't have um, a musical bone in my body. Besides, I like what I like to hear. That's about the end of it. Okay. Okay. So the the idea of having to sit down to watch a music festival, which is a thing that I would probably not go to in person myself, it just uh, adds an extra layer because RJ... Uh, yeah, I've, I've been to one like music festival in my life, and um, essentially it was just an excuse for people to go drink, get drunk, do drugs, yeah. hang out, have fun. But music seemed to be like the lowest priority possible. <laughs> like no, no, like there's some people that are they are there for the music, man, support the artists. But uh, I find that for the most part, it has very little to do with that. So it's always kind of like this. You get like crowd shots, for instance, in this film, where mm-hmm. like, these are the people who are like, this is their like win- the window of time that they went to check out the act that they might have wanted to see. And hell, maybe the- there's like a lot of people who wanted to go see an act, but they just totally forgot that they were playing at that moment because they were too having too much fun elsewhere. Uh, <laughs> so, Jared. Yeah. What is your, uh, so I, I think I get your stance on festivals. What about live music in general? I know you went to a Slayer concert not too long ago, uh, but uh, yeah, some... other than Slayer <laughs> and um, what's his name, Nick Cave, uh, what's your opinion on live music in general? I could take it or leave it. That's kind of what I figured. Yeah, okay. I, I I have no great love of going to see, like, if there's like, even if there, when there's an act I really want to see, it's like, eh, maybe, maybe. Is it, it the people? Through. No, I just, I, I find that uh, I just don't 
really enjoy the experience a ton. It's not uh, mm. super memorable. Like when I saw, like I think the last time I went to a actual concert concert, it was that Slayer show, yeah. um, and that was fine. Uh, it went too long for my tastes, even though I was like, I was guess, I guess I was, I was getting <laughs> it was my probably like two hours. I was getting my money's worth, and it was longer than yeah. two hours because there was like three opening acts on top of mm-hmm. that. So. Um, it was it's like $5 an hour. Yeah, I know. I mean, yeah, I guess like whatever it was, $70 a ticket or something like that. Not crazy, but um, mm-hmm. I don't know. Like, There's just other things I'd rather do. So yeah, live music is a thing to go to. Not my thing. And okay. uh, somewhere in all this, you have the concert DVD in my mind, mm-hmm. like where it's like, oh... Uh, the, the idea of like, oh, if there was like an Eagles concert DVD in the Criterion Collection, I wouldn't be excited. And it has nothing to do with like, it's the Eagles. I mean, I don't know, or like Fleetwood Mac. Like, I don't go, like, this is like the def- definition of like dad media. Like, this idea of like the people I know who are into this are dads. Uh, <laughs> go on. I don't know. So, I don't know. This was exactly what I expected. It's mm-hmm. not terrible it's not like a bad thing or anything like that but it's just not that mm-hmm. interesting to me if i wanted to listen to uh the mamas and the papas there's like the the two songs of theirs worth listening to they're like the classic singles that uh as mm-hmm. i joke on my letterbox review it's like wow am radio this is all these acts for the most part and uh now i know what they look like performing in their prime okay that's kind of uh, ultimately what I walked away with this from. And, of course, like there's things that kind of bug me. Um, I, I'm sure uh, there was the decision made where, like, we're not going to have, like, titles introducing who each of these acts are. We're just going to assume that in 1968, anyone watching this is going to know exactly mm. who they are. But the problem, RJ, I don't know if you had this, 50 years later, it's like, who is that? I have no idea. Other than, like, there's, like, obvious people that you can go, oh, that's Jimi Hendrix. He he stands out. He uh, doesn't look like a whole lot of people. What does um, he look like? Uh, wonderfully dressed. Like correct. He, that that yellow shirt of his is amazing, and it's kind of like when you when you watch, you go, "Oh, that's where Prince got that." Yep. No. Were there any bands that you could pick out from appearance alone? Not with the music playing, but if you looked at them, you could. Pick well, them out? okay. There's like Simon and Garfunkel. Like the Who. They're, they're, Mm, even the who I wouldn't really know what they look like. Like those guys are okay. like the most generic looking men on the planet. Like they're not, yeah. they're, they're not noteworthy. They're, they're not ugly or good looking enough in either way. They're yeah. just there. They're just people. <laughs> they're just people. Uh, well, the mamas and the papas for mama well, cat. Well, I was going to say, so the mamas and the papas has kind of been ruined for me, uh, because of, because of Austin Powers. No, uh, actually Whoa. it was a, it was a TV show called Snuffbox. It's this British yeah. show. Uh, and Rich Fulcher, uh, plays mama Cass and, mm. uh, yeah, it's, it's completely just when I, when I see, uh, Mama Cass. Mama, yeah. I, I just think of Rich Vulture dressed as a woman. That's all I see. I think of Austin Powers because of that joke where she dies from a ham sandwich. Oh, yeah. That's good. That's good comedy, Jared. Right. That's the kind of wholesome, family-friendly comedy that I'm all about. Like the new kid. Like the new... The what now? The new kid. What? What is that? It's a movie you've seen. So... This is preamble talk, but Jared has this secret club of friends that got together on the weekend and went through my letterbox history, and they were just laughing and making fun of all of these movies that I had seen. Not quite. I. What is the new kid? the The first result for the new kid. 
I haven't seen that. You're you're confusing me now. But anyways, Jared has a secret club of people where they laugh about the movies that I have logged on Letterboxd. Yeah. Is it hurtful? You bet it is. <laughs> but does that, that have anything to do with Jefferson Airplane? It's got everything to do with Jefferson Airplane. What are you talking about? I know about that Jefferson Airplane. But how about Big Brother and the Holding Company? Uh, well, I mean, Janis Joplin was cool. Yeah, I mean, I really, like, I kind of had an idea what she looked like. And yeah. it's like, oh. She's a groovy chick, man. There she is. Well, she's bad complexion. Like, very, uh... They, they call that real, Jarrett. Yeah. You know, uh, probably one of the, my favorite vocalists that mm-hmm. popped up in this, though, is Eric Burden uh, of The Animals. Yeah, Andrew is a big fan of The Animals. Yeah, Eric Burden's pretty pretty yeah. rad. Uh, he, he says nobody sounds like him. People yeah. try, no one, everyone fails. Uh, I'm also uh, a really big fan of Otis Redding, and uh, so I was very excited mm-hmm. to see that. Not only does he appear in this segment of this, but then you get to see, like, another like 20 minutes uh, of like repetitive information in the subsequent mm-hmm. uh, mini documentary that accompanies yeah. this collection. My, one of my notes was that Otis Redding really brought some life to this sad, somber, depressing concert. Yeah. Uh, because I think you get like three or four acts in a row that oh, are yeah. like just really just like slow moving kind of like, this is what it is, man. And then Otis Redding comes out and he's like, how are y'all doing tonight, baby? And then he kind of like dances a little bit and you're like, man, this guy's like actually kind of pumping the crowd a little bit. Yeah, he, well, so there's the context of that, I guess, is he was going on last and everybody had gone long that night and people Mm -hmm. were like leaving. And then like um, one of the Smother brothers came out and like kind of uh, tried to work the crowd up, building up Mm -hmm. Otis Redding. Then Redding come up and he's just like, does the whole shake thing and just gets the crowd fired up because that man uh, knew how to work a stage. Work oh a yeah, crowd. baby. Yeah. He's like, definitely like he is on a different level of like performer. Like, yeah. Well, that's his thing stands out in this because it's like, his is the most energetic and like dynamic show that there is th- for anyone, even with the who being fucking crazy oh. and Jimi Hendrix doing his thing. Otis Redding, I think is the one that stands out. The, it's like, man, that would have been the fun one to go to. Yeah, uh, yeah, it's. Uh, I don't know if you listen to Otis Redding much, like any of his albums. Uh, like not full albums. I know Otis Redding. Yeah. I have like, like I, I don't know. I think like a greatest hits, which I think this is a music episode, so I'll bring it up. What's your opinion on that? Because I know some people who are actually very anti greatest hits. Yeah, They're I like, know, you better get them. that, better get that album. And it's like, I get that. I there's a lot of bands I have the albums too, but like back in car days Mm -hmm. cd days it's like you know what sometimes the greatest hit was the best bet so you didn't have to change that cd every fucking five minutes Mm -hmm. so i i I don't mind it but i know there are some purists that uh, get real upset when you talk about that yeah so on that topic i would say that i'm indifferent i'm not a purist but i mean i think if you really want to I mean, if you become a real fan, if you want to become a real fan, you got to go into those albums. You got to listen to those deeper cuts. Got to gain an appreciation for the full album. Yeah, for sure. Um, but there's certain acts though, like the pop acts, where the greatest hits will like will do you good. Like that's all you need. Because sometimes, because I mean, sometimes greatest hits sometimes suck. Like they're there's a, they're front loaded and they're filled with a bunch of crap at the back. And yep. uh, that's kind of the it's like a, I don't know. I'd rather listen like to like, one of like, these podcasts. I'd like to listen to like a fill a properly 
designed album. Like sure. that's like really been thought out rather than the greatest hits. Cause mm-hmm. sometimes, sometimes like some of their best albums are greatest hits. Like uh, Rolling Stones, okay. Odd Rocks, I think it's a fantastic uh, compilation of all their early stuff rather mm-hmm. than sorting through a whole bunch of stuff. It's like, that works really, really well. But I don't think that when people are talking, like they more like, Oh, why did you get that thing where it says the greatest hits? And some people- See, so yeah, I, I, I kind of agree with you. Like, I think, bands i actually like i have all their albums mm-hmm. and like it's worth it for those hidden gems but uh there are certain ones like uh bare naked ladies greatest hits is far better <laughs> than any other I, albums <laughs> any other albums because it has it's got 19 tracks it's got everything you want on there but it has um it has some live versions of a few of their songs which i hold and i'll challenge anyone on it those live versions are better than their actual studio recorded the live version of brian wilson on that thing is better than like better than any of those studio ones. So it's a, it's a mixed bag, but I, I just brought it up cause I've had people verbally get like actually physically mad at me because I was like, yeah, I have greatest hit CDs. And they're like, what are you fucking piece of shit? And I'm like, no, it's, it's easy and convenient sometimes. I don't, I don't know. Like don't yell at me. Uh, well, RJ, if you do like that Otis Redding, you should be uh, checking out the complete and unbelievable, uh, the soul Otis Redding, uh, was it dictionary of soul? That's very good. Uh, and then, see, yeah, I, then there's yeah. uh yeah, the dock, uh, the dock of the bay and, uh, Otis Redding sings blue soul. Those are both, uh, outstanding. I've listened see, like to those the, many times. Yeah. I like soul music and I like the blues. I've listened to the blues a lot when I'm reading, but, uh, I'm more of a funk man myself. So, uh, I'm more into parliament and, uh, George Kennedy and, uh, that heavy funk, you know, like when you get a good cheese and you're like, ooh, baby. George Kennedy. <laughs> ooh, George Kennedy. That's some heavy funk. Anyways, what were we talking about? We're talking about musical acts. Oh, uh, sure. We have the Jimi Hendrix experience, which, um, I mean, how I, I'm indifferent to Jimi Hendrix. I know that's like probably hearsay, but whatever. I mean, it's fine. I, I think I own both the big albums of his, um, but I never listened to them. I owned them. I got them. Jimmy? And then, yeah. I, yeah, I, I think you get enough Jimmy in like cultural, yeah. like TV and movies that no one, everyone knows Jimmy, uh, Jimi Hendrix's songs just because yeah. of movies. Well, this would be a good time to throw in my like, so one of the things that I hate when it comes to music and music people is sure. like guitars and like virtuosos because people get hung up on this stuff like Jimi Hendrix and mm-hmm. Eric Clapton and... Oh, like Jack White. People get like fucking mm-hmm. Joe, so obsessed with this. Jeff way, Beck? Sure. I don't know. Is is he one of those two? Like he could do anything Jeff with Beck? a guitar. Yeah, he or... was at uh, he was at Monterey Pop. He was in the Birds, baby. Oh. They say he is the third greatest living guitarist. Sure. Okay. So I remember going to this party after work when I was uh, working at a grocery store. Like, like when I was like parties. 18 years. Yeah, back then. This is maybe why I don't anymore. And okay. uh, I went... I was invited to go to this thing and it was like, it wound up being like a whole bunch of strangers that I did not know. And they were just all sitting around drinking beer, smoking pot and watching concert videos of like these virtuoso guitar players. And the guys are just saying, Oh man, he's such a virtuoso. And I hate that word. I fucking hate it. And, and I've we, never come across this before. This sounds like a weird Jarrett thing. No, it's not. Cause it, it came to me from these motherfuckers and they just talked to talking. And then some guy pulled out his guitar and like was noodling around horribly. And they're like, yeah, you're really mm-hmm. good. And it's like, no. So that mm-hmm. this is all the thing where it's like, yeah, no, like Jimi Hendrix is like 
super talented and like really good. And he has like a total, mm-hmm. you, I get it. I get the screen presence thing. Like that, that yellow shirt of his, the, the yeah. pup, the puffy shirt, he looks amazing. And the rest of his bandmates look like complete, like dopes. <laughs> I, yeah. And like, I'm kind of with you on that a little bit where I would actually say Pete Townsend of the hoon of the hoon, the who is a uh, more talented. Cause he did all the like songwriting for the who mm. and like played guitar. Maybe he couldn't play as fast and as like efficiently as Jimi Hendrix. But I think, I think he was a better uh, like musician than Jimmy, but uh, there's some candid stuff about Pete Townsend talking about how he felt uh, not intimidated, but basically belittled by Jimi Hendrix's performance at these things because he was like, man, that guy's way better than me. Well, there's a thing about them like apparently supposedly coming to blows uh, because mm-hmm. they, they, one of them, they, they didn't want to go on after the other. Mm-hmm. And uh, so when the Who went out, that's why uh, the guitar gets smashed up. And then it's yep. like, fuck you. I'm going to set my guitar on fire. <laughs> this is like, yeah. fucking, ugh. Such, well, the, such, the, what, the who how, also. How chudly is this? How chudly? Yeah. I can talk about, when when I get to it, I'll talk about that. I was going to say, I'm of two minds of that. Uh, since it's the music episode, and it's an important one because it's like the one of the first big festivals. So we can talk about music in general. I've never had the virtuoso thing, but uh, I have been to many parties where Pearl Jam Live uh, has been playing in the background. Nobody has been like talking about the virtuoso of the concert playing. But uh, you know what they did have, Jarrett? In the slipcase of the, the DVD, it had a full list of every song that was played well, and you could be, skip so, okay to it. so this is the thing mm-hmm. um because i, I, I watched this specifically for yeah, you yeah so i watched this on the criterion channel and yes. you're just like and you're just thrown right into like the the fucking heat it of just it. starts man it just starts and it doesn't there's no introduction and you like i'm like watching this i'm like like you need a cheat sheet to watch this. Like yeah. there's like no, like if you are coming at this and you don't have a lot of context, you're fucked. And I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, now I have to like go to the Wikipedia entry and now I have to like look up what piece of the show I'm at now. Or I have to like look up notes and I'm like, well, if I'm doing that, I mean, I just will just like make my own documentary and listen to the music by itself. I don't need this particular yeah. performance. Cause like I was, I don't know. I've read some people say that they're not really big fans of the way that this is shot and like the presentation of it. It's like not that great. Uh, I have something to say about that, but yeah. yeah. And so I don't know. I, I did say, I do think that the sound recording of this is actually really nice. Like you don't have like that real, like washed out sound stuff bass that where it's like very like unfocused like it's very clear good sound recording quality wise um but then there's times where like they cut way too soon from like the crowd audience like the crowd reactions to stuff and you're like oh that just ended like it just ends sometimes and other times it continues on um yeah so there's some questionable editing um Wait, oh well, well, I want to save the main event. My my, I want to save uh, Ravi uh, for uh, the end there. Ravi Shankar. Oh my god, um, we can talk about Ravi Shankar. Okay. Well, or later, sure. So keep going. Talk okay. about whatever you so want. So throughout talk this about. thing, there's like times where like I'm like, oh, there's like the shots of like people just wandering around, and you're like, yep, this these are the same type of people who go to shows and these things to this day. You see these people mm-hmm. around. There's the hanger honors, the ones that are like. I just adopt the style of the time. And you can see that this person, like after this is done is very well adjusted and goes back to their regular life and will like change their clothing and style to fit whatever the next thing is. They're just like there in the scene and they're like, yeah, far out dude. <laughs> did you, uh, did you happen to notice my review of the Monterey pop festival? Uh, I saw some, some mention of Coachella. Yeah. It seemed very fitting. Well, it was like, 
it's funny because like everyone rips on uh, Coachella for all the white people wearing like First Nations headdresses and like cultural appropriation and this and that. And then you watch Monterey Pop, which is from 68. And you're just like, they were fucking doing it then, too. It's it's like you said, it's the same fucking people. They're like wearing like headdresses. They're erecting teepees. They're doing like bead craft and stuff like that. It's all about a good time, man. Well, there was a moment they were going to because... Like out of this era, you get like the the aster the acid westerns, and you had a lot of like like Charles Manson was dressed in like uh, like an Indian man living out in the out in the desert and stuff like that, and uh, yeah, there was a lot of uh, what we what what should we call it cultural appropriation going on sure. be- before uh, that was a thing that anyone was yeah. really worried about, um, and now obviously it's changed, but it's kind of the same difference and like yeah there's like there's so much there's there's a lot of cultural baggage that uh, goes along with these things where it's like yeah i think that you know native americans they're just so much more closer to nature and like community and you're like no they weren't (laughs) it's like that's bullshit who who were you talking to yeah they they just make it up you know i think i think that people just make things up and uh, make up their own truths about life and uh i don't know that's Mm -hmm. ever gonna change and then Music festivals are like just they they all show up at one place at the same time and uh, yeah here they are being filmed and you're like oh look here's like a very attractive woman that's smiling at the camera and like oh my god I can't believe I'm on camera <laughs> it's like oh it's so it's like that that's that's never changed that never will Jared it's playful <laughs> so playful it's playful <laughs> and it's, yeah yeah <laughs> and it's like people bring their dogs and cats so I have a real issue with that. There's people who have like kittens like being born, and it's like, what the fuck are you doing bringing like a Jamiroquai hat full of fucking kittens to a fuck uh, music festival? Well, they might have you know, found those like because they're out like in a they, park. They could have, but you know what? One really fucking pissed me off. At an hour and one minute, there's this real the piece monkey? of shit person, yeah, who has a capuchin monkey, and he painted love on its fucking forehead. What kind of piece of shit person thinks that, like, doesn't see the irony in that? It's like, I'm going to preach love, man, by painting it on this fucking animal's forehead, dude. Maybe it wound up biting his face off. I don't know. It's like getting a pig and spray painting PETA on, like, the on its ribs or something. Is that something that's happened before? Probably, mm, right? Probably. Yeah, I had a real issue with that. I thought that was horseshit watching this. Uh, one of the moments of joy for me in this, uh, there's like the one dude who's uh, testing out the sound system of the arena right right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. And he's like so happy when it's like working and he's like mm-hmm. getting to work with a real one. He's like groovy. Like he's so happy. I'm like, oh, because like nowadays, what would the person say? They wouldn't be saying groovy. They'd be like fucking check fucking. one, two. No, 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 no. But like after responding, what would oh. their, their enthusiasm would be like, shit, yeah. Sweet. <laughs> Shit, yeah, bro. <laughs> not, not this guy going groovy. Oh, man, it's so good. I've never heard of the good sound system before. I'm like, wow, he's he's so enthusiastic. Like, he's like, just please his punch. The tongue changes, man. Yeah. You know? Um. That's kind of my broad strokes, uh, sure. RJ. What, what did you think here of your rewatch of this Monterey Pop? My rewatch, yeah. So the long lived infamy episode of the monterey pop festival a rare occurrence where i have seen this i actually own this and i watched it Mm -hmm. and then jared Haddon. so i watched this thing again the reason i own this uh, i didn't buy this it was gifted to me by uh my old boss the who i did my grad studies with 
He is a big a time music guy. Is he a dad? Uh, a later day dad. He had his first kid when he was like 45. Ooh. <laughs> yeah, so he's a later, but that's the that's the academic research game, man. Like, yep. you don't have kids until you're super old. He He's a groovy dude. He was very groovy. Uh, so he gave this to me because he always kind of built it up. He was like, he's like, yeah, Monterey Pop's awesome because it is arguably the first ever festival um because there there's like talk how there was one a couple months earlier but it was a different style of music so it's kind of the first ever rock festival and he was one of those guys like not in an asshole way but would talk about what rock means like rock and roll because he he grew up and uh, his favorite band was the who and he he viewed the the who is rock and roll i actually went with him to the who for their 50th anniversary tour like three years ago and then i also saw zz top with him and jeff beck that fabled guitar player that i I mentioned earlier so uh this dude rob mcd he knew a lot about music uh and he was always really fun to talk to about music because he just had a really deep under like background and breadth breadth of knowledge um so anyways he gave it to me because he's like this is like one of the first big actual rock festivals and he's like on top of that he's like it's just a recorded one um of like a it's like a live show and because he would watch live shows too and uh like i said i actually do watch live concerts because uh like dvd versions because i think they're good for certain parties um so a lot of parties that i used to go to were like packed houses um where you just kind of like shuffle around with people and then what was usually going on was in the living room you'd have a tv you'd pop in that pearl jam live at the garden or something and you just turn it up and then it would be the entertainment for the entire party so there would always be like two or three dudes sitting in there watching it but most of the people were just kind of like hanging out in other rooms um, and not even really even listening but i i mentioned it to you because they had like the back of the DVD had the song list and I think it was even like you could skip. So it was, it was like broken up into chapters on the DVD where it was like four or five minute segments where you could skip songs and stuff like that. So that's what it should have been. What was I talking about? Monterey pop. Oh yeah. So, uh, yeah, I watched this before. It was mostly for the, the who, uh, segment of this, which is pretty short lived. It's like five minutes. Mm-hmm. Uh, not like their actual or not unlike their actual appearance, which apparently was like, only 25 minutes long, uh, I guess, because like what you said, they there was a little bit of a disagreement. And uh, the Who were kind of like, I think Pete Townsend was not like difficult, but he was kind of like, like he, he did thing he liked to do things his way. So I think it was like when they didn't do that, he was like, you know what, fuck this. And then they destroyed all their sound equipment, which uh, if you ask my old boss, he would accredit the Who as the first band to ever actually do that. Is that true? I don't know. It sounds like it. He made, he made a convincing point. Uh, so they do that. Um, and that's basically all you see about the who, right? He sings my generation for a little bit and then it just, it's just them destroying all their shit. So that's cool. Uh, what was I gonna say about Monterey pop? Oh yeah. I I like Monterey pop. I think it's fine. I, I can see why like, uh, people like you who don't enjoy music, um, as we discussed in the preamble, uh, or just anyone who isn't really a fan of live music or, or anything like that might not like it. Uh, 
I like going to concerts, like how we talked with you before. Uh, but it is getting getting more frustrating now because of the people, because it's all young. It's like I'm I'm the old guy now. Where one of the last concerts I went to that I really wanted to be on or be at, I was on the floor and I was close to the stage, and it was all these like twenty, like early twenties. And none of them were there. None of them knew or like were there for the band. None of them knew the music. They were all kind of doing their own thing. And it was like, it was very annoying and frustrating. So I guess I am super old now. But uh, the last couple concerts I've been to, I've been I've been like, ah, I don't like this anymore because the crowds bother me because of what people are like. Well, yeah, I mean, that's like our problem with theaters. <laughs> for, yeah, it's, uh, it's a problem. Yeah. With, it's a problem going in public in general. Everyone's going, so shitty now. Going to restaurants. Uh, gas. Yeah. So Monterey Pop. Uh, I like I like some elements of the filming here. Like I like where the emphasis is on the performer and not necessarily the crowd, because there's a lot of segments where you don't see the crowd at all. It's just focus on the performer. And then there are some cool ones. Like I think it's the Otis Redding one where uh the camera's actually behind him, and then you get the spotlight oh, you, you coming get, into yes, the camera, yeah. and you just see it's kind of like outline. That's super cool. That best part I really of the, like that. That's the best shot of the movie, even yeah. though it's like frustrating at times when you're like, no, quit moving. Stay in silhouette. And then he moves Stay and then just blasts you with the light. Yeah. Like, ah, oh, God, get back and stand back yeah. where you were. So that's super cool. I actually saw um, Pearl Jam Live one time where they sold tickets behind the stage, and we sat behind them, which was like, it was really, it, it was really like unique i guess because what you see is them from the back and then you see the full stadium in front of them so that was cool uh but it was kind of that shot reminded me of that just because that's an experience i've had so i thought i think i thought it was nice that they for the most part kept them separate where it was like you would show the performer and then you would show shots of the crowd or you would show like the festival goers which I, i i actually I liked that they included that where it's like the arts and crafts section or the people erecting teepees or the piece of shit people with like their animals that they brought to a music festival. But I did like that they kept it separate. I don't know why I I thought it it made it more documentary style. I don't know if that's like, (laughs) I don't, I don't know what it was. I was like, this is more of like a movie than a live show. Cause the live show you would get, you would have the crowd, the noise of the crowd where in this you, I, I didn't think you could hear the crowd at all and when it cuts to the crowd they're all like sitting in their seats listening so where if you watch any live concert from the last 20 years that's on dvd it'll be like eddie vetter he'd be like what's up baby and they'll be like "Ah!" i didn't i don't don't know did you get any of that in this i didn't get it unless i just missed it like what the crowd sounds yeah no i was like that's what i was commenting about like how like precise the actual music comes through it's almost too Mm -hmm. precise like you where you don't hear like the low live kind of audio sounds but yeah you don't hear the crowd until the documentary lets you hear the crowd that's you yeah so i thought that was cool actually um but yeah i i like the the presentation of it i think it's i think it's a cool thing like this is what i've mentioned where i was like there's three Three different areas I think that things should be in criterion. I think this falls under that historically significant sure. one. Yeah. It's I, I know it's not for everyone. I know a lot of people won't like this, and that's fine. Well, so it's, uh, well it's just more indifferent. Like it's kinda like yeah. I don't want to watch this, but I I I'm now contractually obligated to obligated. watch it. So uh, I'll yeah. watch it, but at the same time, like I would never watch this 
ever otherwise because it's just like unless i was like i really want to know about the history of rock festivals and then yeah you would probably (laughs) check this out you know kicking off that summer of love yeah um, for sure yeah yeah i think there's i think this one also has like some unique there is unique history to it between like the bands that showed up and then the bands that didn't and kind of like what the significance of it was where it's like i saying this is kind of like the first one but uh I, I'm sure you have something to say about that too. Like the bands that canceled or weren't, uh, or yeah. like declined. Well, you're I, like, Hey, I've, oh. got, I've got Wikipedia. Yeah. You got Wikipedia. I will say out of the bands that were there, I like the who the most, uh, Jefferson airplane is like groovy. I think Jimi Hendrix is cool. Uh, Otis Redding, I think is definitely the best performance. Uh, the one I really don't care for. And, I don't know if I've ever talked to you about this, but one band I really fucking hate is the Grateful Dead. Oh, no. I hate no, those no, pieces of shit. No, no, piece no, shit fucking people. I don't think anyone actually likes the Grateful Dead. Like, oh, I, I've, I've yet to meet Jarrett. anyone who actually likes them. I know there's deadheads, but... Jarrett? Yeah. I lived in a dorm room in America. Oh, man. And... There were people I knew who would, uh, every time we went to some place, like say there was a chalkboard or a whiteboard, or it was at a party and there was like a fridge with like something on it. They would draw that Grateful Dead fucking bear every single time we went somewhere. And all I ever heard were people in my dorm talking about either Grateful Dead or uh, what's that? Um, what's that band? It's not like Santerra, but it's like, thank Sant- God. No. Sangria. Holy fuck, that was a interesting were, song were, I sang. Were those words? Um, I'll, I'll figure that out. I'll figure that out. Okay. Anyways, it's the same. It's the same people. I really, really dislike Grateful Dead fans. Well, wow. I, I I've never met one. I just know like in culture, in popular culture, it's made fun of, and like everyone's like, I don't know, it's, people pick on him like Willie Nelson, which is like I don't think that's right. I but Willie really Nelson in concert, he was fine. Yeah, he'd be fine. But um, yeah, Jerry Garcia and that whole scene, I just like nah, not not my thing. But you know what, RJ, I'm gonna throw out there that I uh, I'm pretty indifferent to the Who. Santeria by Sublime. Sublime fans are the same as Grateful Dead fans. Oh, I, and, I, I thought you were. I, see, I was like thinking you were talking about like the era, but you're talking about Sublime. Sublime, Sublime, and Grateful Dead fans are the same people, and I hate them. Uh, and yeah, I understand. A, a lot of people are indifferent to the Who. I was until I met a guy who was like, who had had seen the Who in the '70s and has been praising them since then and like getting other people to listen right and so it's just through him like i i watched um they'll pop up again in the collection when we hit quadrophenia that's true i do i like quadrophenia fine but yeah, uh, and that's just that's just uh a movie version of their their album, big album the the, the double whatever. yeah yeah so like i i know a lot about the who for that reason but i understand why they're uh mm-hmm. some people are not too hot on them hey why don't you tell me about ravi shankar well rj Ravi Shankar, he's the, uh, he got paid for this show. You know, so, okay, here's the thing. Here's a fun fact. The artist performed for free and all revenue donated to charity, except for Ravi Shankar, who was paid $3,000 for his afternoon long performance on the sitar. Uh, Country Joe and the Fish were paid $5,000, not by the festival itself, but from revenue generated from the P.A. Penny Baker documentary. 
The artists mm-hmm. did, however, have their flights and accommodations paid for. <laughs> Apart from Shankar, each act was given up to 40 minutes for the performance. Several ended their sets earlier, including The Who, who played for only 25 minutes. Yep. Okay, so old uh, Ravi. So there comes a point in this documentary, around the one-hour mark, where it just cuts to crowd shots for like 10 minutes, and mm-hmm. it's sitar music. And you're just like, okay, okay, uh-huh. okay, what's going on? Like, what's happening here? Like, what wh- what's happening? Like, I don't get it. Like, this is bizarre. And then yeah. eventually they cut to the stage, and there's Ravi rocking out, doing some, like, flamenco-style, like, conversational sitar shit. And this goes on for another 10 minutes. Mm-hmm. And then the crowd erupts. Like, oh, like yeah. holy shit. Like all the, like all the acts that were there, they're all sitting in the front row to watch this and they lose their minds. Everyone's on their feet applauding. And I'm like, what the fuck? What, what is going on here? So one of the things that uh, is a failure of this documentary for like not explaining very well is uh, he was performing for like four hours. That fucking blows my mind. It's like it, it, it totally, it totally makes sense for me for what I know of Ravi Shankar, but it's like, it's like that anyone would allow him to do that just fucking blows my mind. And I don't know about you, Jarrett, but my first experience with Ravi Shankar was The Simpsons, mm-hmm. where it's Krusty's Variety Hour, and he's like, now the musical stylings of Ravi Shankar, and he's like, Shankar. And I've always, always thought of Ravi Shankar in my mind, in my heart forever (laughs) because of that Simpsons episode. (laughs) So I don't know about you, but that's just Um, just me. I honestly had no idea really who this was. Like, it's like, okay. Nobody does. Why would you? Well, okay. No, he like became a super, he became like famous because of this and because of the Beatles, right? George Harrison, like that sound came from this and like that, like this, there was a moment like sitar becomes the cliche music of this era for, for, because of this, like it's just, Mm -hmm. it's inescapable, but boy, oh boy, is it just like, to me, it's just like a comical sound. (laughs) Like, it's just like, yeah, it's like, yeah, it has like such like a, like Seinfeld. No, yeah, Seinfeld. No, it, it has like like I don't know, to me it's like racial connotations. Like people use it as like comedy music to like, oh, this person's from India and they play sitar music over it. It's just like any other like when they play like, oh, this people are Asian, so you have Asian flutes play. And like Or it, it, for what we've noticed a lot, Africa, the drums. Oh yeah. And like Middle oh, Eastern yeah. stuff, the mm-hmm. it to me it's like what? The, 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 the like there's this chanting and the, uh-huh. Mech, the Meccan chanting, like you just hear that, and like so to me mm-hmm. I'm like there's nothing like magical about it because of its use and abuse in cliches and movies, like mm-hmm. it, so to me I'm like oh yeah this is like definitely something I would never listen to in my entire life. Um, one thing, so I was of course I was like what so what is Ravi Shankar's deal? And I'm like, oh, his one of his children, uh, his daughter is Nora Jones. That blows my mind. So this is the thing where I kind of laughed at that because I'm like, oh, so that's why Nora Jones wound up with a career. Because like you think there's like, sure. Whoa, there's that's a, lot- a loaded sentence. No, it's because a lot of these famous people, these celebrities, these actors, mm-hmm. these people are like come out of nowhere seemingly. 
And then you're like, oh, I understand now. They're like, they come from like the the hierarchy, you know. Mm-hmm. They they come from that. So you're like, but then they don't promote that. Like I didn't, I had no idea. It's not like it's like an it's not like a secret. But like I've never heard this in my entire life. And anyone I've brought this up to, they're like, I had no idea. Mm-hmm. But I mean, they they don't like sound anything alike. Like there's no influence. It's like they're musicians. Well, I mean, you want, you want to see something like upsetting look at what? uh look at ravi shankar uh in 2012 before he died oh boy when oh, did you look up ravi shankar no, no, sorry, 2009 there's a photo of him uh on his wikipedia oh. in delhi well, okay 2009 yeah, yeah if i booked three years after he died boy. i think there would be some uh upsetting <laughs> well i mean that's upsetting that point, imagery like, i think like 90 he probably would he looks pretty good 90 years old man i, I just like scroll through and went whoa <laughs> I don't know. It's like, he looks it's better like, than you like, do like, right now, like, present it's day. It's like Grandpa from Texas Chainsaw. <laughs> a, a little bit, I guess. <laughs> I guess. Uh, I Nora ke- Jones, I, hey? I keyed, I keyed. Anyway, Ravi, that accent? <laughs> Ravi Shankar. Um, yeah, Shankar. It's 20 minutes of that rocking out and it just like this explosion of this relief that oh he did it i mean i'm sure like fuck playing that for that long four hours that's pretty incredible that that is like a technical feat that like most would be like i mean musicians would be mostly most appreciative of it and again rj it falls into the virtuoso uh area do you know how sore his fucking fingers probably were oh yeah like you, you don't do that. You, you don't play yeah. that long. So like, there's like that endurance aspect to it. But you're like, but do I still want to listen to this? Again, <laughs> what a lot of people say about this podcast. Yeah. There, it's that endurance aspect. But do you really want to listen anymore? No, we're the Ravi, Ravi Shankar at Monterey Pop of podcasts. Yeah. Um, oh yeah, hey, one mm-hmm. one fact. So you know those really nice looking background animations that are like on the projection sometimes. Oh sure. That, yeah. that, where you actually would know who the band is if you didn't know. It's very yeah. very helpful information. Uh, th- those were done by a uh, an artist named Tommy Unger, who's like a illustrator, child book, children's mm-hmm. book illustrator. He just died like a couple months ago. And I'm like, I had never really heard of him, but when I saw that name pop up, when I was reading about this, I was like, Oh, I actually know who that is. So did he die? He did. Did he though? No. Hey, you want me to run through the, uh, the letterbox synopsis of Jimmy plays Monterey? Oh yeah. I didn't see either of those two. I logged them, but I didn't actually look, I didn't think they were real pages. No. Oh, well, so uh, this clip emerges in 1986, this like 40 or 50 minute long documentary. It's mm-hmm. no exaggeration to say this might be the most intense and groundbreaking 45 minute performance in the history of rock. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Fuck off. It's not even 45 minutes long. There's like a whole bunch of like filler yeah. in this. Like <laughs> spray paint graffiti oh, like for 10 minutes at the start. No, it's 10 minutes, RJ. You exaggerate as bad as this exaggerator. Hey, maybe maybe it is the most important it's thing so, ever. It's so 86. Uh, Jimi uh, Hendrix's debut American set at 1967's Monterey Pop Festival is generally considered one of the most radical and legendary live shows ever. Virtually okay. unknown to American audiences at the time, even though he was already established uh, as an entity in the UK, Hendrix and his two-piece experience explode on stage, ripping through blues classics like Rock Me Baby and Helen Wolf's Killing <laughs> Floor, interpreting and electrifying Bob Dylan's Like a Rolling Stone. 
debuting songs for his yet-to-be-released first album and closing mm-hmm. with the now-historic sacrificing burning of his guitar during an unhinged version of Wild Thing that even its writer Chip Taylor would never this have imagined. This is the synopsis on Letterboxd? Yes. Hendrix uses feedback and distortion to enhance the songs in whisper-to-scream intensity, blazing territory that had not been previously explored with as much soul-frazzled power. Um, So for me, this was the low light of the three because, like I said, I'm fine with Jimi Hendrix, but I... It's not. It's nothing I'm like super down with. Yeah. Um, I, I like Jimmy. The only thing I actually really liked was when he was covering uh, that sorry, Bob Dylan song. Yeah, uh, and there's like the one yeah. bit or like the very beginning where they're showing, oh, here's him like at an, another festival like recent or a couple mm-hmm. years earlier with the Sgt. Pepper Lonely Hearts Club cover, yeah. which like apparently <sighs> well, that yeah. so that uh, which I read that 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 cover was performed like a few days after that album had just come out. So, yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, wow, a musician's really good at picking stuff up and making it look sound pro. And I guess, like, Paul McCartney says it's still, like, one of the best, like, uh, things he's ever heard, like, a dedication to, like, something that he's done. He's like, wow, that thing's mm-hmm. amazing. Um, and, yeah, I don't know. I'd just rather listen to a Jimi Hendrix album than ever watch this thing or tell people to watch it. I mean, to me, this feels like a special feature. I'm not even sure, like, I don't know if you, like, read the notes for this release, like, what the context of this documentary was like why it didn't get released till 1986 like do you know i don't know yeah i don't know um but i don't know do you have any other thoughts about this 50 minute thing oh monterey pop the Jimi hendrix uh oh Jimi hendrix yeah fuck it's fine um i think what they took out for the actual monterey pop was enough yep because i remember watching the first 10 minutes i was like where's jimmy and he wasn't there. And then you get the other half hour and you're like, this is fine. But I don't, I don't think he was necessarily the best live vocalist. So like he's singing and you're like, that sounds fine. I know he's all about the guitar for that. His, what did you describe it as? Metamorphic guitaring or something? Virtuoso. Virtuoso. Yeah. So that's fine. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It was all right. Like I, I think I'm on. Mostly on, I think I might like Jimmy more than you, but at the same time, I was like, I didn't need this. Yeah, I'm fine. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's fine, but it's just like, again, I this is not the format I want to watch this in, or I don't even want to watch it. I'll, I'll listen to it, maybe, mm-hmm. and not even then. Uh, and then, yeah, Shake, Otis at Monterey. This was released in 1987. Yeah. Renowned documentary filmmaker D.A. Pennebaker captures Otis Redding in his ascendancy, singing at the historic Monterey International Pop Festival in June 1967. Comedian Thomas Mothers introduces Redding to a crowd that is leaving until Redding grabs them with his charged rendition of Shake. Redding's performance also includes Respect, which he wrote, I've Been Loving You Too Long, Satisfaction, and Try a Little Tenderness. Tragically, Redding died in a plane crash six months later. An innovative, he did. And uh, an innovative filmmaker who started in the 1950s making experimental films, Pennebaker garnered an Oscar nomination for Best Documentary Feature in 1993 for The War Room. His behind the scenes look at Bill Clinton's 1992 campaign. His other subjects Um, have included Norman Mailer, Bob Dylan, and David Bowie cool yeah. i guess like um yeah so yeah uh as said i love otis redding's music uh and like, i've mm-hmm. honestly never seen him live so that was cool like that that i appreciated so i guess that's mm-hmm. a, a win for this um there's like a really out of weird montage of crowd shots over one particular song which i mean suggests to me that they just didn't have footage of him actually performing the song for whatever reason and so they just use a bunch of like 
pre-recorded like shots of crowds like of the pretty girl being caught and being <laughs> like i'm being filmed the who and uh just like people in the, in the crowd and you're mm-hmm. like oh this is like not when they were listening to this song it's just like from various points from the other bigger longer documentary yeah but yeah what a stage performer what a guy what a guy um what are we talking about right now? You want to find out who hates Monterey Pop? Yeah, other than Jarrett. I don't hate Hey, I, actually, before we get in that, was it as bad as you thought it would be? Or was it just, just was it, it exactly just, what you it, it was? It was exactly what I thought. Okay, like, that's fine. Um, I mean, it went by fast. I mean, it's only an hour, 20 minutes. And yeah. uh, because you're not having to like fully necessarily pay attention to things because it's mm-hmm. not like a beautifully shot documentary um you're basically just watching it as like a time capsule of a place mm-hmm. in time and that's about it and then you can think about like oh yeah i like this song or i don't like this song or i've yeah. i think the, i think the uh studio recording of this sounds better which some people say is blasphemy but well whatever whatever so, so rj who, yeah go for it who hates one star alan bessa okay it's good to listen to these artists from the past, but calling this a documentary, right? I what else would you call it, RJ? Uh, it is literally a slice of life, Jarrett. Is it? Yeah, I don't. I, well, no, it's it's a documentary. Yeah, it's a document. That's of, it's that's all it is. Yep, that's all it is, Jarrett. Thumbs down, Alan. Uh, they just all, they just like criterions. Okay. That's it. And, uh, even their not liked movies aren't very interesting. Mm. This person's not interesting. That's fuck them. Okay. Rachel, one star. I only watched half of this, but ugh, <laughs> Ravi Shankar was great. <laughs> what? How, wait, you Is only that watched, sarcastic? How, how, or? You only watched half of this, but like Ravi Shankar's the whole bottom half, so you only watched the second half, the I guess. second half? Ravi Shankar was great. Jimi Hendrix and, Mo, and all of the who need to stop smashing things. Take care of your possessions, please, ugh. That's, I think that's some of that try hard pithy stuff where it's like, you shouldn't be smashing, you should be loving. Hmm. Rachel gave five stars to call me by your name. There you go. Which is all there is to say. And here we got Joey B with one and a half star. 1967, 50 years ago in Monterey, California. The digitally restored and sound remastered version, which is not the option given here in this site, has come out. And it's a celebratory, nostalgic look at a pivotal musical festival that helped give voice to the white-dominated hippie movement. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> okay. I watched the original in 1968 years ago and it was fabulous, but this version has had a pair of scissors taken to it and wrecked it. Mm. Uh what did, what do you what did know. you want like the full I, 3 days? Of- I don't know. There were so many other great performances in the original version and to have them edited out just felt like a slap in the face. Nice. There are wonderful bits to see in this revision and the sound is good, but I can't recommend anyone seeing it who saw the original or if you can see the original footage much available most much of no, much available on YouTube and clips. Good idea, bad execution by Criterion. I don't think that's anything to do with Criterion. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe they didn't make the movie. Well, I guess they released an inferior version because it's not as fabulous and full. 
Oh, well, I, I think there's like on the on the set there's like two hours of outtakes as well. So I um, don't know. Obviously, you well, did do your due diligence and watch every single square inch of that set. Not as much as Joey B, but Joey B's bio says I've seen a hell of a lot of, a hell of a lot of films, <laughs> and psychologically twisted ones are my favorite. Uh, they also just gave Call Me by Your Name five stars. <laughs> Jarrett, they also just gave the Florida Project one and a half stars. Ah, that's why I selected this one. Yeah, but the most egregious is a half, a, a single half star. That's right, point five stars for Creeps approved five five star film, Swiss Army Man. Just ridiculous, ridiculous, Jared. ridiculous. And there's even one negative review for uh, Shake the Otis part. Wait, just, really? I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll read this one here to you. Uh, from Tyler Ward, two and a half stars. Redding sure made it sound like Aretha Franklin stole respect. Glad she did. It's a better song, and it has the exact opposite message from Redding's original. Otis Redding's music was kind of sexist, and Penny Baker's <laughs> montage editing during Try a Little Tenderness was kind of sexist, too. What? How can editing be sexist? Oh, maybe the fuck like, is he talking maybe there's about? There's too many shots of like I don't know gyrating. <laughs> it's what? Like, that you, fucking you, blows you, my mind. You, 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 but, uh, when Jimmy's like thrusting into the speakers, he he was he he made things pretty sexy. Yeah, but that's got nothing to do with that. Like the nothing. editing. I don't know. Hey, remember? Maybe there's like shots of like girls, and it's like yeah, sexy. Yeah, but- I don't understand. Who fucking cares? Do, do you remember uh, in Gimme Shelter, there's like that bit with like Ike and Tina, uh, and she's just like oh, yeah, that, filleting that, 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 that microphone. actually gross, though. <laughs> so, uh, hey, Jared. RJ, does female sexuality make you disgusted? To All sexuality does. Mm. I'm taking a hard stance. Okay. Everyone should keep that shit in the sanctity of their own homes. Especially you, you chud. I, I didn't know that this podcast was the home to kink shaming. It is. You should, people should feel bad about the stuff they do. People don't feel bad enough about stuff that they do anymore. Spoken and like I think that's hurting society. Like a true Catholic boy. Shame and guilt is good for you. It is. It makes you a better person. Yeah. Unlike Tyler Ward, who gave Call Me By Your Name five stars. <laughs> but they also gave Swiss Army Man five stars. Oh. So it's a little confusing. It's all like all of their five stars are Criterions and Disney. But also somehow Gummo is in there. <laughs> five stars. Shit, yeah. Which is weird. And then uh, there's not a lot of like low ratings, except for Ace Ventura has a one star, which is like. Heaven forbid. That's a good show. I'll go to bat for that any day of the week. I will. I'll fucking. I'll take you out, brother. That's. I don't understand. Like people are like, oh, that's like. Uh, trans shaming it's like no it's not relax relax Jared relax <laughs> relax oh they also just gave Halloween Halloween two stars Mad Max two stars The Shining two stars good lord these are bad opinions <laughs> they're all bad all opinions are bad yeah that's true so, so, oh, I didn't, I didn't go in my uh, hippie, my, my hippie talk. Oh, that's too bad. It's fine. Oh, I never talked about contamination. 
That's fine. <laughs> yeah, that doesn't matter. No. That movie's not great anyways. <laughs> so there we are. Monterey Pop. Oh, are we still talking? Over and out. Are we still doing the outro? Yeah. Oh, shit. Um, after woo. the... Uh, 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 after the break, um, RJ is going to keep in his pants and uh, go live in a monastery. I always keep it in my pants. Yeah. and Because uh, sexuality is gross. Yeah. No drinking. No sensuality. Drunk uh, Monks are pretty drunk. Mm, I see. They just don't bang people. There you go. That's the kind of life I'm looking for. RJ, when are you going to grow your hair out and jump in that uh, VW van and travel around the country to festivals following your favorite band, The Grateful Dead? I'm more interested in when people are going to grow their hair out and follow us around this podcast. Do you see? I don't want that. Do you understand? I definitely don't want that. No one do that. Well. I'm fucking serious. That's on you, Jerry. I mean... Don't. Why, why shouldn't people don't. embrace us? Don't. Grow your hair out. Follow Jared around. I'll give you his address. Don't. If you come to Canada, I'll give you his address. Canada. You can't, I know where he lives. You, you can't live outside here. It's too cold. That's what the van is for, you idiot. Well, the van's going to run out of gas. I know people who lived in their van in this very town. Down by the I'll river? Tell you, no, I'm, I'm being 100% serious. I know people who lived in their van for two years in this very city. So give me your information, give me some money, and I'll give you Jarrett's address. Get your own van. I got I have got that lot out back now. Perfect for parking. Yeah, well, you're doing all that yard work. Mm-hmm. Got to put something there. I don't have a garden so I can feed all our fans that will be showing up in droves. Ooh. You can email us at criterioncreeps at gmail.com, and I'll give you RJ's address. You don't know where I live. We've got a Facebook page. We're on Instagram. We're on Letterboxd. I'm Jared Duncan. He's Barnley. We've got mm-hmm. a Patreon. We've got a YouTube. We're on SoundCloud, Stitcher, iTunes, Google Play. All Tumblr. that jazz. And don't forget Tumblr. Next week, Spine 170. Ens Lubitsch's Trouble in Paradise, RJ, from 1932. Oh, fuck. What is it? What is that? I don't even know about that. It's a motion picture. Is it good? I I've heard it's good. I hope it's good. I hope it lives up to its reputation. Oh, it's supposed to be like an actually good movie. Uh, apparently, I mean, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we know how those actually good movies actually turn out. Mm, sometimes. Or sometimes good, sometimes bad. It's a toss of a coin, really. Yeah. I'm not gonna watch it. That's fine. I don't fucking care anymore. That's fine. I don't care either. I didn't watch this thing today. Yeah, fuck it. Fuck it. Good night, folks. <laughs>